We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, audio listeners. You already know the deal as we start the stream. We have to get the tweets out and welcome everybody back. Um... We had a, a two-week break we missed last week. Um, obviously, there were a few reasons for that, but <laughs> uh, CDL being one of them. Uh, mainly me, though. I got into a freaking car accident, but I'm all good. Um, hear me uh, tag you guys in the tweet. I was actually in New York for a show. Did I tell you guys the story of this or what? Uh, the uh, Florida show. Yeah. Yeah, I was in the the New York for a show for the In the No Bowl, which was actually pretty sweet. It was only the second show I've done since COVID, and they had a full-on set. Um, work, work with people I've never worked with before, but it was in Brooklyn, only my second time in New York. Um, and the show was cool, man. We had, like, athletes and stuff. But anyways, I get there, get in a car with Jay. I'm like, I'm tired, man. I got to get some uh, some Starbucks. We go there. I grab a coffee. On the way back, chick drives in front of us. Damn. But we did the show the next day, dude. And uh, most that's actually good. nuts. Most important thing is that you guys are all right, both you and Jay. Sounded yeah. awful from what you guys from the stories you guys were telling. The explosion sound and whatever yeah. it was. You know, like, like it's funny because I realized. Sound. Oh, I'm hitting. I'm hearing myself twice. Okay, we're good. It's funny because I realized like we were tweeting and stuff after, so it might have like seemed like it wasn't insane. But dude, it was. It was an insane collision bro <laughs> i'm just glad we're all good though like we're just young we're good so the the medic was like dude you guys are lucky i was like Shit. thankfully anyways yo welcome to the show everybody audio listeners appreciate you guys tuning in once again this uh podcast is fueled by xp sports wonderful company and let's check out the uh where you guys can find some xp and learn a little bit more about it what's up everyone the podcast is fueled by XP Sports. XP Sports has created gaming supplements focused on giving you what you want. Their products deliver more than just energy and come in unique formats, including pregame powder, ready-to-drink cans, and even gummies, guys. I love them. The ready-to-drink can delivers zero sugar, zero calories, and zero lag. The XP Sports Boost Energy Drink is delicious and can help you get through any long gaming session. The formula in the Boost Energy Drink includes a scientifically studied ingredient that supports mental energy, performance, and improved reaction time. It also provides another ingredient that supports normal, healthy eye function. If you're more of a gummy person, try the gummies. 
They provide an ingredient that supports mental clarity and another to support normal, healthy eye function as well. We all know how important that can be. Make sure you have these bad boys in your gaming arsenal. I use them every day, guys. I mean, come on, talk about multiple birds with one stone. Take your game to the next level with XP Sports. You can purchase XP Sports on their website, xpsports.com, on amazon.com, or at your local Walmart. Use code CODCAST at checkout for a 30% discount. Yeah, that's right. I said 30%. That's xpsports.com. Take your game to the next level. All right, there we go. Well, I think that's enough of me talking. Make sure you guys check them out. But uh, what up, John? And what up, Ben, our producer? Hello, hello. How you guys doing? How you guys doing, man? Life's pretty good. What about you? I'm chilling, bro. Ben, how's esports engine? Busy as always, but I will say, you know, I could use some sh- sunshine these days. And I don't know about you, but it's <laughs> like every day in Columbus this week. Dude, I uh, woke up today and it snowed again last night. I didn't even know it was going to snow. And then it was still snowing. And um, I had to go to the store today and the freaking roads were just, at least like surrounding me, were terrible in Grandview. I don't know if it's the same for you over there because you're in like an arena area. Yeah. Um, but they just like, they didn't clean the roads. They, I think everybody's just giving up. All the people driving the trucks, just giving up, bro. Would it shock tough. you that it snowed about an hour ago? Wait, it snowed an hour ago? <laughs> yeah. I looked outside and there was snow on the ground. And it was like Jeez, What about the Texas stuff going on? Have you guys seen the tweets and stuff from these guys? Yeah. Bro, it's actually nuts what's happening in Texas. I wonder how bad the snow is in comparison in Texas and how much of it is just them not being ready to deal with it at all. Dude. Yeah, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they don't get snow like this in Texas, but hey, climate change, right? (laughs) They're getting smoked. They're getting smoked, dude. Like, the thing is, is I know they had, like, one super bad storm where they got, like, a foot of snow, right? And then, what was it? So, what's today? Today is Thursday. So, I think, when did it happen? It snowed on Monday, right? Where they got the storm. So, they Mm -hmm. got the storm on Monday, and then everybody's power's out, like, monday night or like middle of the night monday and then it was out tuesday and wednesday right and i think people are starting to get power back or am i wrong about that i thought i saw it's, a few tweets um, better i think I, I heard it was some people right some people in certain spots even people like across the street from you would have power but you wouldn't i guess it's power power grids work i'm not an expert in that i have no idea but i mean sheesh couldn't yeah. push back call of duty I'm sure there's going to be some some people in trouble that at least control, like, not the players. I'm talking about, like, people that control power within the city that, like, not being prepared. Because you're supposed to be prepared for this sort of thing, at least in some capacity. Because a lot of people are, like, really affected by this. Like, there's people dying, bro. I saw some houses that were collapsing in because of, like, bursting pipes. Dude, that is a nightmare. So prayers and thoughts out to everybody over there. For real. I think, uh, go ahead. No, just like the. Have you seen the videos of people having to put just like buckets all over their house because their homes can't contain, I guess, the water, the melting ice that's all everywhere? Sheesh, dude. It's just tough. Their homes aren't built for it. Nothing's built for it. Yeah. Yo. Dude, uh, what did I see? Sib, Sib, his freaking. Was that Sib's apartment or Mac's apartment? Sib and Mac, I think, live together, right? Oh, my God, dude. What happened to their place? Dude, that was what I was thinking about. I was like, dude, if my office room collapsed in. And my setup got torched, I'd be screwed. Like, what do you do? Like, all your files that are on your computer. Um, I know, like, you have homeowners insurance and renters insurance, but it's going to take a while to get that stuff replaced, you know? 
And then also like renter's insurance only covers up to like a certain amount. So depending on how elaborate of a, you know, coverage you have, you might just be screwed. So I don't know. Would that cover your lost items? Like your, say your PC right there that's on our screen. Would that cover that? Because I know these things are expensive. Like, look how beautiful that thing is. I, I specifically, when I just did my, well, when I did renter's insurance for my current apartment, I, in case I got you know, robbed or something or something happened here. Yeah. I, uh, I took out a bigger policy for this, like my office in general. So it was like, your options are like, it's like eight grand standard for like a home office. So I was like, I just increased it to like 20 or something like that. But yeah, no, that's, that's wild, bro. I hope that, I hope their, their equipment is good, but their shit was leaking. So <laughs> move to Texas. They said it's anyway. cheaper. They said, but, but anyways, <laughs> anyways, you know, they'll all be back up and running soon. The super week was announced. So that'll be awesome. And we're bringing Ben on today, guys, because he's our producer one. He's been part of the show for a while. He's a great guy. been around on call of duty for a long time, dating back to when did you begin? Like a W I started really being around a W I worked for optic Intel at the time. I was also modding clay's chat and that was my come up and Yeah, that. I, Got in with phase and then it went from there. Yeah, so you've been a coach, you've moved on like a lot of people that come on to the you know podcast and ask questions, they're like trying to figure out how to get into esports and stuff. They ask me and John, but it's like we were like pro players, so we weren't the you know the origin story that a lot of people yeah. are going for, but you kind of are, so that'd be cool if we have some call-ins later on today and they can ask you about your story and stuff. But the main chunk of this episode is we're gonna be talking about week one of the Call of Duty League. Uh, how it went, our thoughts, give some, uh, you know, our hottest take from the week and, and so forth. But, uh, you know, I'll open the floor up to, to you, John, um, to kick things off with, uh, you know, just overarching week thoughts um, on the week. Uh, overall, I want to say, I think that there's a lot more parity than even I thought there would be across the league, right? So it switches to 4v4. My first thought is, okay, even the bottom teams will be stronger than they were. But when I actually sat and watched all the matches, it was like, these guys are, like, I don't know who you consider the worst team. They're not that bad. Like, who are, at least not right now. Yeah. Until, like, all the emotions set in and all the losses start piling up. Even the worst team, which I guess you could say is, what, Paris? People were saying Surge before they went in, but yeah. they won a match. Like, even the worst team is not that bad. Not yeah, really. No, for real. <laughs> There's, like, so much parity across the league. All these teams are super good. Uh, I mean... We're early too. We're early, so you can't really take, you can't really give like crazy, overarching thoughts yet. But seeing that there are no really bad teams is one interesting for me because all I do now is watch the matches. Like I don't have to cast them or analyze them or anything. So now it makes it a lot more interesting to watch the matches in general. And and it's just it's just gonna be a really good season. I think. I mean. I'm not really sure. Usually I can always see the scene. Like I knew last year immediately what was going to happen. Like who's going to be the good teams. Yeah. Who is going to be the good team? Not, not even the good teams. I, we have a good feeling about who the good teams are going to be, but who's going to be the bad teams? Who are the weak players that are going to get weeded out? And I don't know who that is at this point, like already at all, even after the losses, even after the teams that took yeah. multiple losses. No, uh, fair, fair enough. Uh, ben. Well, I, I agree with John on the parody, and I actually saw an interesting stat on maybe sort of how that might shake out from round eleven stats that yeah. of the four game fives that went of the four games that went to game five this uh, this week, the winner in those series, four of them uh, won both S and D's in this series. So mm. yeah, it seems like there's a lot of parity, but uh, as is always said on the desks and by a lot of talent that like S and D wins chips, like it seems like amongst those elite teams, um, there have been good search teams early, and uh, they made their mark in those series. 
Yeah, I, I think that. Uh, go ahead, John. I was just gonna I say, I think <laughs> I'll, I'll continue. I always try to give you form, but I'll, I just wanted to say this for a bit. I think like with the way you beat like an empire or you know an optic or one of those super top teams is just by winning both surges and stealing a respawn, right? And you're seeing some of the teams that are you know maybe know that they don't have the most you know skilled individual talent in the world to be able to dominate respawns. Like they're focusing a little bit more on search and destroy. And it's like showing, right? Like we saw a lot of like, like Rocker, for example, we expect them to be a great respawn team, but clearly they've put in the time and effort into being fantastic at search and destroy. And it showed so far throughout this game. And like, that's where you can get, if you're, that's where you can get an edge on some of those super teams, right? So maybe it's just a product of teams realizing like that is where we can get the biggest edge in the league right now. And let's take advantage of it. And, you know, it worked out for Rocker, at least in, in week one. The first match wasn't too great, but the second one was damn good. Um, but yeah, that is an interesting stat, you know? But I think, so I look at it a little bit differently, right? So uh, I'll take Optic, for example. I saw, what I saw was good things from Optic. Them beating, they, made, they lost both SNEs badly, right, to face. Yeah. But I think that over time, those will start to average out. Like, they're going to learn what they want to do in search. They're going to learn each other's tendencies. They're going to get, they're not going to just be a bad <laughs> bad 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 search team like that was that was really bad yeah but i saw a lot of strength in the respawn from them so i even though they lost the match i'm like for the future of this season for the future of optic in particular i was like this bodes pretty well for them in my opinion they're not just gonna go in every series and get blown out like this from by phase but the fact that they were able to take phase into respawns i was like okay they, they, they looked a lot stronger than i thought they did it's like when i look at optic now in this game I'm like this is one of the top even though they lost, I still I they're like a top three team guaranteed in my eyes. Yeah, but I also feel like I would rather be, you know, dominant at search and destroy and figure out respawn if I have the talented players on my team because like you scrim hard points so much. It's so difficult to get like great search practice. So I don't know. I I thought that that was actually a pretty scary thing seeing Optic be that bad at search after having talked to, you know, Envoy and, and heard them saying like how much that they were going to work on their search and stuff like seeing them lose like that i thought was like pretty concerning because as the season goes on increasingly we're going to see more game fives as teams learn how to play the game better and better right and they get more even across the board so i thought that was pretty scary especially in like high pressure situations if they start off the season losing their search and destroys when it gets later in the season and they're at a major and they're in a game five everything on the line if that confidence isn't there like they're gonna you know fall so i don't know i thought it was a was actually more concerning than you you made it out to seem but yeah ben you have any takes on that i mean my my thing and i talked about it when i uh was on with zoom on the weekend which like you know i agree with john's take i think it'll average out over the end the only thing i think i'd like to see more from from optic is just a deeper playbook it's early you're going to see a lot of six oh six ones because people are still learning the maps learning how to play it in a real match where the pacing is a little bit different um but just when you play a team like in Atlanta or you play a team like Dallas that's going to have a deep playbook, have a lot of set plays, have a lot of looks and be able to adjust mid-map, you need to have a deep set of strategies or tactics or the ability to call on the fly. And I think that's probably Chicago, something Chicago probably needs to work a little bit on. Um, but I would not be surprised if they master it. They're going to need to if they want to be competitive against you know even a team like LA Thieves at the moment. Well, how long did it take last year for Optic to really start playing well in Search and Destroy? Because I remember they were bad at the beginning of the season. Then they had a tournament where they did well at it because Skump basically was frying in most of the searches. And they were asked for majority. And <laughs> towards the end of the year, like champs, they got good at it again. 
So I, I thought that it was really concerning. I mean, you know, for their sake and, you know, optics fan base segment, hopefully they uh, figure out their search and destroy. So we see some close game fives, but um, just how FaZe looked in search, how Rocker looked in search and how good we know Empire will like Empire, in my opinion, without question, will figure out their search. If you like looking at their team and where those players have come from and how good they were at SD last year, they without question will be good at search. Optic is another story, right? So that could be where they fall short to those other teams. You know what I mean? Um, but we, we'll see. I mean, they just have to put themselves in a position to be able to clutch up. So let's take LATs, for example, in that match against the subliners. They were giving away rounds. I feel like LATs played that SD a lot better than the overall score lines. They were just giving away man advantage rounds over and over and over. But they, all that matters is they were in a position to actually clutch up and win the rounds. That's what Optic did in the first match against Paris? It was Paris, right? Yeah, so they played yeah. Paris. Yeah. Paris was out playing them at first, but then Optic got in positions where all they had to do was put themselves in a position to clutch. They won the clutches. They won the map. Once they figure that out, I don't think that it's that big an issue. Like, you think it's a lot scarier than I do, but even in the past, let's say through the Optic Dynasty years with Formal and Seth, they weren't the greatest search team, but they put themselves in position enough to win enough searches where their respawn carried them to win tournaments. Oh, yeah. Different era in COD, though, with a different level of teams that they were going up against. They definitely had, like, a huge edge on, like, all the teams. But, like... In the, for example, we don't have a big sample size to go off of, guys. So these are essentially all these takes are going to be, you know, hot takes. But we're just going off week one. What I saw in that match, especially against Atlanta, was they were getting picked apart in Search and Destroy. There were multiple times where Optic would go out. They would actually execute like a first blood, first kill. And then they would get traded. And then the other player would be a couple seconds too late and then get killed. And then the, the playing field would either be level or they would be at a disadvantage. And that was just because FaZe knew what they were doing. They were always together. They were moving them around the map as a unit. They were trading out effectively. Like a BZ was walking up the map, getting bloods on them. Like it's just... It was just really, it just looked like they were unprepared in search and destroy, but hey, we'll, yeah, I mean, we'll we, see going forward. We saw last year that like, and, and it's so far carried this year, it's like when you play a team like Atlanta, you need to put yourself in 2v1, 3v1 situations, because if you end up in 1v1s, their ability to play make and S&D is going to shine through. Um, and I think that just came down in Chicago. Yeah, you're going to start a couple of rounds 4v3, but... But phases either able to claw back and make it a three v three, and then and squeeze that down, or they were able to to play make. There was a stat I saw from this week that something like um, ten of twenty three S and D rounds that phase played this week ended up in a one v one, and they won eight of those ten. Like, <laughs> That's wild. If you're converting at that rate, like you know, you're you're gonna be stellar in S and D. And also, it looks like they've carried over that insane game five winning percentage they had last year. That is what like, and that's what looks good about phase to me is like. Just they're always like that super team that is also so good at SD at the same time, you know? So I don't know. I don't even know who looks the best from week one out of like the top teams. It's like almost level. It's like it's every team, say. every team had their like weak point uh, outside of, you know, I guess phase, but phase didn't look that great in respawn against optics. So, I mean, every team had their, their weak point and every team, their strength showed as well. So I think everybody sort of got exposed a little bit. Um, with the exception of what maybe maybe LA Thieves, right? Yeah. They won three one and three zero. They didn't play one of the. They just I feel didn't like they play. had a pretty decent schedule, but they didn't play one. They didn't play basically Optic Atlanta or Dallas, right? Yeah, and, and that That's New York was, series yeah. too. Like it was, was close. Was one of the weirdest three I've ever seen because close I think they won all three of those maps. 
Uh, but yeah. but man, thieves look good. I mean, you guys talked about it on an earlier show that like their key successes here is what are you gonna get out of Donnie uh, Temp and what are you gonna get out of TJ? And so far, from what we've seen, they've been fantastic. Kenny had a fantastic week. Right, like, we, if they keep up that slang, they're going to be very competitive and, and potentially win a bunch of majors this year. What I saw, uh, I'm just going to talk about individual map, was, um, what was it, versus Rocker, uh, was it Moscow, where they just body them. Um, destroyed them. Yeah. They destroyed them. Like, And that was super impressive to me, for one. I know Rocker hasn't looked like the best hardpoint team, but just... LA Thieves understanding hardpoint to the level of where they they are consistently breaking spawns, holding and preventing them from getting close to the hill. Like that just proves uh, how good of a you know team that they can be in the future. Uh, like this game is different in the last couple of games, and the fact of that like you can consistently hundred point club a team or like beat them by like hundred points, right? Um, depending on the map, obviously crossroads might be a little bit more difficult, but like that's just because this game is not as forgiving as other games. So I think like. As teams get better, we'll see more disparity in, in like hard point like that, dominating wins, etc. And that uh, thieves really impressed me when they did that there, because you know I was expecting them to have like close maps, close hard points, clutch up. You know, TJ or Kenny have like a big game, but to like dominate like that just proves like they know exactly what to do, where to where to fill in the gaps, and where to go on the map. So it was like super impressive. Yeah, I, I saw a stat again. Week one stats is like a super small sample size. They're winning about half their rotations, and they're holding it about. In the high not in the low ninety percent. So like you yeah, play that way, so ninety two, and you're you're getting your thirties, and you're constantly <laughs> flipping, and then winning the rotation. Like you're playing ahead of the ball there. They're they're set, um, and gives them a chance against uh, a pack of really strong slaying teams in that like top four category. And I think even this year, like man, like your six or eight teams, even your ninth and tenth teams, like they're gonna take response off of you depending on the situation and the map. You talk about oh, teams like sure. Florida, New York, Minnesota. Um, we'll, we'll get to Toronto in a minute, but I would put them in that category too. Like, um, definitely promising start out of LA thieves uh, and excited to kind of see them play the rest of the group, especially Dallas and see how they stack up. Yeah. When you say uh, six to eight teams, I'm wondering who do you, who's your like cutoff? What is your, what is your eight team? Bro, like it's, so, it's so hard at the bottom of the mid pack, I guess you'd say, it, right? It's so hard. The, the team I'm not really sure where to put is New York because I don't think they played that terrible this week. I don't either. I don't either. But I just don't know. Like, I don't know how to rate how Florida played this week. Like, but New Toronto York came out and they could also be that team that just plays up to their competition. Like that, that middle True. of the pack team that plays up to their comp, but always loses. Cause there's always those teams. I've been on those teams in the past where like, it's frustrating. We, yeah, it's really frustrating. Like you have good players and you, you know what to do on the map and you play up to your competition, but you just get closed out. So, um, obviously, like you say, it's too early to call that, but like that's the vibes that I got from that subliner Steve's match was like they got 3 0 every map was super close. They played up to their competition and they choked in the final moments of all three maps. Um, but like, for example, the Moscow hard point that the subliners played against the Thieves should have absolutely won that map. It came down to one moment, if you guys remember, on uh Statue Hill or Fountain, wherever you call it, and they got a three piece, all right? they had to all they had, well, yeah, but all they had to do was rotate to bus and push out bank. Instead, they decided to push through gold. And like, I know that every player on that team knows that you have to go around and go through bank there and set up and just give up that time and set up for new. But they made that decision anyway. So that to me, it was like them crumbling under pressure, which I assume that they'll get better at with Clay as their captain. Um, but like, you know, that could have changed the whole course of that series. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's my initial thoughts is like they played up to their competition and got crushed. I have no idea if they're any good or not. 
Um, yeah, I think Flores in that bucket. I mean, they they looked sure. great against Atlanta in, uh, during kickoff classic. Didn't look too good this week. Curious where they look. Toronto obviously played really well this week, but they have a tough week this week, so we have to see where they stack up. Minnesota, we talked about earlier, like the 0-4 and, and hard point three and own S and D. Like, how do you reconcile that where they fit? Uh, and then there are a bunch of other teams outside of that conversation. Like, did I just I don't know about you guys, but like um teams like a, a London uh or uh LA Gorillas, like not really Plus sure me. how this bottom part of the mid pack and like eleven through twelve really like stack up. It's super, super, super tight at the moment. I think it's just so gonna you, be like up and down like crazy. Sorry, John. Like a freaking yeah. like no, no. a oh, like yeah, volatile. Like literally, because London on maps three and four, their series were surge. Alex and Dylan look like the best players in the world. And then you know, they, they end up losing. It's weird. It's gotta be something about Alex's play style. I'm just gonna say that. Cause every time that he's winning, he always looks like that. I swear. It was it's been like that since the World War Two days. Whenever their team's going off, he just looks <laughs> unbelievable. I don't know. Yeah. But and they lose, right? And everyone, you left Surge out of your thing, so you basically you said Surge is an eleven twelve team, but did they play like an eleven twelve team? Really? They got smoked by Dallas, which everyone was kind of expecting. But then they came out and played really hot. Like they they did what they had to do to beat to beat um sorry, excuse me, to, to uh, London, Royal Ravens yeah. to be London, right? Yeah. But yeah, like, like I, I don't I agree with you. Like like I don't I don't really know this this so many of these teams. It just uh, we don't we don't have a small sample size. But truly, with the parity right now, just just have no idea how they they stack up in the sum total. We we probably have a pretty clear understanding. I think that top four, at least right now, seems pretty cemented. Is it though? Because Ultra could be in there. I mean, from what we saw to them, could they be. looked unbelievable. I just knowing we have to know how good certain teams are. Like for example, when Surge got smoked by Empire, you could easily just be like, "Oh, Empire smoked them, whatever." And then they beat Royal Ravens. Like, "Oh, Surge isn't as bad as we thought they were." And then Empire lose to Rocker, and it's like, "Oh shit, is Surge ass?" Empire <laughs> lost to Rocker, so maybe Empire isn't extremely down. So it's like ever, it's like ever changing. Every single um, you know match changes your opinion on where teams stand. So I just more so try to judge based on what I saw actually in game, and uh, you know the team that outside of the super teams that I was most excited about, and I talked to you guys before the show was Ultra. I thought that they really knew what the hell they were doing, especially in Hardpoint. Like, they look so good to me. Their, you know, their rotations, the way that, the, just the way they play that Garrison Hardpoint was just absolutely flawless. Um, Cami Kleenex were doing exactly what they needed to do. Uh, and there was a moment in the map where they were up, like, you know, 60, 70 points, and Zinni was, like, barely doing anything on the map, which is exactly what, he was doing exactly what he had to do. <laughs> you know, like, I just thought everybody was playing their role perfectly. That wasn't even a diss at Zinni, because he had some great maps. It just, it just sounded funny. No, no, no. I he had some great maps that kick off, and at this, like, I feel like everybody on their team knows their role, and they know what they need to do, and their communication was on point. They knew where they needed to be. So, to me, they had them, like, for where they're supposed to be at, they had the most impressive match, um, and that still all, all depends on where Mutineers are at, which is up in there. Yeah, I mean, That's I don't true. think Sky is, is going to have a series like. I mean, we've seen historical last two years that he doesn't have a series like that quite often. So I think they'll regress back to the middle. But again, it's just so tight; it's so hard to see how they they fall in uh, in that that conversation. Also, the weird thing now is with the parity is like, and the fact that you only have five games in your group, we might see some crazy tiebreakers determining maybe two, three, maybe four spots in some of these groups. Well, let's look at it like this. So, who have thieves beat? They've beaten Rocker. And they beat New York, right? So, you know, whatever. Two, you know, something not that good. Good wins, but like Rocker's not the best hardpoint team. Uh, and then you move on. Sur uh, Thieves play Surge. And they also play Royal Ravens. 
and then Empire. So realistically, like Thieves are probably they are gonna play. I mean, Empire already lost, so Thieves potentially like first in their group. You know, so yeah. uh, if it'll come down to that match, probably, which is like you know, strength of schedules another thing to talk about. Um, and depending on who people have to play, some teams have some crazy schedules. Let me see who like was remaining remaining schedules. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I saw Paris' schedule. I kept I looked at it for some reason. I'm like, Phew. I had to play. I, if I'm correct, they had to play Florida, Toronto, and Atlanta. I'm like, let me go see like, Florida. Yeah, and they've already freaking like, <laughs> they've already played Optic, and then. You know, they played Gorillas. They lost that yeah, one. And, like, and that's why that's for that match, I was saying, me and a neighbor were talking about it on the on the stream. We were like, it sounds weird to say, but this is like almost a must-win match for these teams because depending on how the major number one goes, the, every team's reevaluating at the end of major number one. Like, okay, if we're going to make a change, you probably need to make it now or what we're going to do, right? So like for that, those teams, that could be potentially like their only dub <laughs> uh, going <laughs> forward. And Legion lost that match. So that was like super concerning for them after how impressive they were at, you know, kickoff. Um, yeah, let's talk about those two teams for a bit. Uh, start with Legion. Um, what do you think was going wrong for, for these guys uh, week one, John? Well, so they have to, they, I feel like when I look at that roster, they have to win. They got to win the search, right? They needed to win yeah. that search against Optic. You got to close out that search against, you got to win that search against Gorillas. Like if you win your searches, you're, you're in some of these series a little bit more. They're not going to be a dominant respawn team. They're just with the with the talent in this league. They're just not. I got to figure out a way to like to really. I've seen Yuli dominate search like for a season. I've seen it happen. He's an amazing search player. They need to figure out how to how to get the best search possible, search practice possible, so they can win. Because they're just never going to be a top respawn team. And they yeah, and they did throw that control against Optic. They didn't play like they're not that bad. And if you if you were to ask me who's the bottom of the league, the eleven twelve, I'd put them in it. But in my head, I, that does not mean that they're terrible. Like last year's 11-12, like last year's Surge, they were terrible. Yeah. Like ter- last year's Paris, terrible. I don't feel like this year's Paris is terrible. I just feel like there's a lot to work on. And I wish for their sake, they got to play Rillas later on in their run. So they had more time to work on stuff as opposed to right now where I'm looking at their future schedule. Like even if they, they got to really play well to even find one dub with their remaining schedule because the other teams are just that strong. In so my that, opinion. they lost both S and D's to Gorillas, right? Or did they? Yeah, they did. They lost. Yeah. Both, so they lost both S and D's to Gorillas, and like they could have won that series too. Like they could have won all the respawns if you remember. Like map one, freaking Apathy went absolutely bonkers yeah. on that crossroads. Mm-hmm. Just like you just can't allow him to do that. I remember it was like the P two rotation. I was trying to skip back to it, maybe put on broadcast for everybody, but. Some other PC, so sorry. But if you go to their match, it was P2 on the last rotation, I believe, where like they just threw it away and they had like a perfect opportunity. So like, you know, even the team that we think, you know, from the eye test looked the worst week one, they still had like some great moments. So I honestly, I, we did our power rankings to start the season, John. And mm-hmm. I think it this might be the hardest season ever to power rank teams in the in the history of COD, bro. To be completely honest with you, that's facts. That's... That might be that might be facts. I feel like every, I mean, once teams start losing a little bit more, and the emotion set in, and teams stop being all vibey, like even when you're zero and two right now, they can still be vibey, right? Like ah, we just need to fix this. As soon as that fades away, I think that then it becomes a little bit easier because teams just start playing worse and worse and worse. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. We're still at the very beginning. 
I think um, it's also it's also helped that D, like we've had formats like this where teams are split into two groups and it's some round robin, double round robin, whatever. Yeah. These are probably the best like two group two groups we've ever seen in a format like this. Like I think top to bottom. We have a page super of the even. groups. I need to see these groups side by side. Um, if you go to the standings, it's it's uh, only I think that. I remember thinking team group B was better. That's what I remember thinking at the time. I couldn't tell you what teams are I'll tell in, you, which group right now. But I'm yeah. looking at it now and I I think they're basically even in terms of skill. What are the groups? We give a, can we pull it up? Oh, I think group A is way more difficult, to be honest. And the reason I say that is because Gorillas and Legion are both in group B, and we don't know what we're seeing on Mutineers. And group, so I have the groups up right now, John. If you have a good memory, I'll read it to you. But it's the oh, group, group A. Group A is Thieves, Empire, Surge, Rocker, Royal Ravens, and Subliners. And then group B is Phase, Ultra, Optic, Gorillas, Mutineers, Paris. So I would lean towards group A. Um... It's pretty even. It's yeah, no, no, it, it is. It is definitely pretty even. But I think A is probably the higher ceiling of teams. Uh, but but it's not like you know Paris is still can take series off of Toronto. Like even a team like Atlanta, you know, like it. The parity is like that this year that I could see a situation where we get some upsets out of Paris or LEG or Florida gets hot and they start taking series off of Optic or Atlanta. Uh, and then we talked about Toronto earlier. I mean, they might be a force this year, and we'll see this week. If they're able to get results against FaZe and Optic, suddenly Group B becomes very interesting and who's going to finish top three in that group. True. My issue with all the bottom teams is I don't... I can see them upsetting any team. Like you say at FaZe, and I have no issue with that. I just can't see them stringing together wins. Like, just... So of these three matches that... Let's just stay on the Legion for this one. Florida, Toronto phase i can see them winning each individual match i just can't see them winning multiple matches i just can't see them a lot would have to go right like yeah. yeah a lot would have to go right for them and it's that's where it's like okay maybe the bottom of that was group b is a little bit weaker than the bottom of group a because i can see all the teams in group a's technically stringing together some wins so if you're paris like best case scenario um best real realistic best case scenario is like okay you beat florida and then who do you play? Who do they play? They play Toronto. FaZe in Toronto. So yeah. they still have an opportunity to like grab two of these matches, right? Um, I think likely you lose to either Toronto or FaZe, yet to be known. But like you can, they can definitely, I can definitely see them winning that first one. So, you know, best case scenario, they take down two matches. And then where does that land you in? Like, let me go look at the bracket. I mean, two uh, and three, three and two could be anywhere in these groups. It's like totally down to tiebreakers at that point. Then losing <laughs> the gorillas really doesn't help because it's possible yeah. to in a tie with gorillas, and then there's your tiebreaker yeah. right there. It's crazy, dude. The major is going to be lit as hell. And then this game is like, <laughs> this game is crazy because I could definitely see a team, you know, placing a little bit lower in the after these five matches and then making a run through losers. You know, like for example, if Rocker starts losing matches and then you know they get placed in losers like i could see them making a run all the way to like a championship um just because the players that are on their team they figured out and especially in tournament format damn i can't wait for that what's that in like three weeks it's in three weeks bro and every i just i'm just excited that everyone's in them bro i don't that's the most that's my favorite change from last season is that everyone is at the tournament whether or not you're starting losers i mean that's your own fault for you know finishing at the bottom of your group but Everyone is in the tournament, so we can actually get, in my opinion, real champions, even though people would say that last year, real champions. I like the fact that everyone's in it, so you can yeah. see who's the best team at that time. So um, let's talk about Rocker here for a second. 
because uh, we had a good discussion on them before the show aired. Uh, so obviously their hard point has looked pretty bad. Their search and story has been great. Uh, and then a lot of people are talking about like Priesta being a little bit like hot and cold and stuff. So I just wanted to open up that discussion on to like what we think uh, is going wrong for Rocker and Hardpoint, um, especially. And what do you guys think? What do you guys think is attributing to like the the Priesta thing? Let me ice break with the stats. I know you wanted to cover the Preston thing. This again, one week where the stats, we'll see if this holds up. This kind of blew my mind. So they're actually like winning about half the rotations and their whole percentage is good. But what's really killing them in hard points right now, this is uh, per Carson uh, on Twitter, the, the codlingstats.com guy. They're winning about 9% of their break attempts. In yeah, hard that's point. bad. <laughs> if I can't break a thing. So what do you it's need wild. to break though? You need somebody able to, you know, get entries and break hills. You got to play fast and, and get coordinated um, attempts. What do you need on this game? Coordination and someone able to win like the extra gunfight to break? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Essentially. Uh, and clearly they're not breaking. So, um, you know, and they're also, there was a couple of maps. They just got smacked down, like <laughs> not close, but in their last series, their hard point looked a, like it got a little bit better. <laughs> uh, I thought it was terrible when they were lagging and I didn't realize <laughs> when they were getting smoked, like one thirty to one by empire, but then they replayed that checkmate. And it was, a, it was a lot closer. But like the priest, the thing people say that he's like a streaky player. They're trying to like box him into that. I saw people posting about it and stuff. I think like statistically, yeah, it looks like that sometimes. Um, but I think it's like different reasons. Like I think last game he looked like a hot and cold player at times because of the team that he was on and like the role that he had to fill. Because Priesta and every team that he's on, he has to be the chameleon, he right? Spills. Yeah, he always he fills always a spills. role. And I think last year he had four gods on his team. Like, I don't like to use that term loosely, but they are freaking beast, all four of them at the game. And he, you know, tried to fill fill a role on that team, be a role player. So I think that led to him being a little bit streaky. And then in this game, I think it's an entirely different reason so far. I think it's just all three of the players he's playing with, you know, they're not super slow, but traditionally they're not the fastest players. And I think that that might be affecting him a little bit because he is a little bit of a quicker player. And he's trying to get back into that superstar uh, slayer role which, you know, you can't just be a solo fry man in, in this game. It's like a traditional COD. So I think they're just in like a, a learning period right now. Um, and they'll figure it out because they're good players and smart. But yeah, I think that that's what is attributing to him having these great maps and these bad maps. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, to, go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead, Ben. Now, I was about to say, I'd like to see them play maps other than Garrison. And they look good then, check me. But I, I don't know. Garrison's like a weird map to me, especially if you're a break percentage is that low it's so easy to set up on a lot of hills and just dominate and force you to have to rotate early and then you get kind of stuck in that sort of situation where you get in the back half of hills and then suddenly you're not rotating and you're having a break and it just sort of snowballs from there yeah and um, that first garrison they played against uh the thieves right they had a chance they were in that game for most yeah. of it i feel like a what was it a trophy self team kill or whatever it may be it got patched it i think it it yeah, I think uh, trophies, uh, their damage got nerfed or something today. I saw Jake have tweet. Like, your, your self-team damage. This is actually pretty ridiculous. Yeah, but, trophy yeah, had a KD this week. <laughs> trophies are going in. Yeah. So they were in a position to win that. So, I mean, I, obviously, it's easy to say that they're not the best hardpoint team. I have a hard time blaming Priest for things because of what you said, Ant. He's, yeah. he's the chameleon, right? When you look at him, is he an AR player? Is he a sub player? Nah, both. He just does whatever his team doesn't want to do, whatever his team needs to be filled. It is what it is. So if you go back to what phase in World War II, which I feel like you said this before, right? That hard point in this game plays closest to yeah, the last three games close to World War yeah, II, yeah. without question. World War II. 
he was their main AR, was he not? Yeah, base, he switched. He, he switched their back best, and forth. And he was but, yeah. their best player. Yeah. And then he went into Black Ops 4 and was their main AR and was their best player. And then in the middle of the tournament, switched to a sub and was still their best player. Went to 100 Thieves. Obviously, that worked out. And then just he just always having to do everything. And I, I don't know. Maybe that's his inconsistency. And it's I have a hard time blaming him for stuff because I just know that once the team is all on the right page, all on the same page, he's going to be fine. Yeah. And if you watch their games, like... At times you'll see like attached has like the least amount of deaths, which like might not even be a bad thing in this game, you know, like especially the way Hardpoint plays out. I could definitely see subs picking up like a little bit of a slower type role playing methodic camp at corners and stuff. Um, but maybe just their approach just hasn't, you know, panned out like it has in scrims into actual matches. But yeah, I think they have the slang power for sure. I think it's just more so everybody getting on the same page and figuring out like their pace together as a squad. Like priest and maybe waiting a couple more seconds and slowing down for them because if you think about like older cods john when we used to play you know black ops 2 etc is like you can play at a fast pace if everybody's running around gunning everybody but you could also play super slow and just rely on your coordinated one good solid push around the back right like that yeah. was the way i like some teams like to play and i like to play like that too it's like i yo i'm just gonna like wait for you and then we're gonna go you know like but some people they like to get pushed up in finesse but a lot of people don't have that skill to be able to do that. So maybe that's what Rocker's trying to figure out. Because sometimes, and not to go on a tangent, but sometimes in scrims, when people scrim each other every day and they're watching film every day, they form like this play style where it's like, this is the way hardpoint is supposed to be played. But back in the day, there are actually like a couple ways you could play it, especially with breaks. You didn't need to have two attempts. It could just be one. Um, so maybe that's what they're trying to figure out. And this is all just me theorizing and maybe oh, yeah. trying to put myself in the mind of what's going on, what's going on with a team that's broken right now. To be, also, to let's be, not uh, let's not pretend like they didn't play. Like, I feel like they had the strongest strength of schedule this weekend by far. Yeah, but right? I'm just so talking about watching be... them, their actual gameplay though, like okay. on the map. Like, um, but which of those hard points was really bad? Other than other Moscow, than that, Moscow one. The Moscow one was bad. All right, blowout. Well, we'll take the other three hard points that they played. They lost all of them. Which of them was really, really that bad? Well, they also lost both of them to Toronto at kickoff too. So it's not just. Oh, okay. Well, so, I just, yeah. I always just like t- the kickoff just leaves my. If mind it was just the two matches, like, I don't think we'd be having this discussion. Yeah. If it was just the two matches, but I think the three matches like shows that there's a problem that didn't get fixed that is also not improved, right? So, and that was the, okay. the series Bance was just obliterating them on, which was Garrison and was it Checkmate game four? <laughs> I don't, I don't remember. That. I think it might have been. Checkmate. But either way, I didn't think about the checkmate or the uh, the kickoff. So you'd be right. They have they have something that they need to fix for sure. But I mean, we, I was just going off this weekend. It wasn't that bad, minus the one map where I guess they got out. They got out game plan before the match even started, where thieves came in with three XM fours. Yeah. And they oh, weren't true. prepared for it, right? Still, that's so. something that plays into it. But also oh, keep in true. mind that they're losing every hard point. And they also have a veto. So there's also a map that they are obviously not wanting to play, which I think might be raid, to be honest, because I haven't seen the player raid. I don't know what map. What map have they not played then? Do you have that? So they played Moscow. They played Garrison. It they could played, also change, but yeah, they played checkmate. So, yeah, no, they haven't. They haven't played raid. So yeah, it could, I mean, for the info that's available to me, like it could be raid. And like if they're having a map, they're auto vetoing and they're still not winning hard points that so this is like a little just, bit concerning. <laughs> just out of sh- just, my team would not be videoing raid. No just way. Out of pure enjoyment. I feel like raid would fit their. <laughs> I feel like raid would fit Hell their. Hell no. Style. It could also like, be that every team is videoing raid against them. 
because they have a good, I, I don't know why. He said it's a sound whore credit map and they veto it. Gotta be questioning the coaching staff, must not understand their personnel. Well, Donnie, if you think about it, if I was playing that team, I'd probably would veto raid, honestly. That raider, yeah, I'd probably would veto raid. Um, so maybe that's just getting vetoed against them. I don't know. Did they veto raid against you guys, Don? That's a good question. I doubt you would it. know. Or, I doubt these veto raid, right? Well, no. Or I wouldn't whatever. think so. I mean, they have they have a good team for raid. I mean, they have man. Don probably doesn't even know. He just goes in the series like, bro, veto what you guys want. Let's I don't. Go. I think raid's great in this yeah, game. I don't know about that take from Nato. I, I feel like it plays from the maps I've seen, both in real matches and in scrims. Like it plays really, really good in all three game modes. Raid. Yeah. Raid. Raid control is a little bit weird, but. Raid hardpoint, it seems to be okay, except for like the first hardpoint is way different nowadays because I don't know if you remember Ant, but you Can't couldn't run up the that. driveway. Oh, yeah. You couldn't run up yeah. the driveway. <laughs> like, you're an, like, we're like, look at this idiot coming up the driveway. What a bum. Now you can just run up the driveway. And also, the first, the what you were about to say, jumping up on the first thing is like, <laughs> that was actually a thing that took a little time. Now you just jump up there and get free kills. Another thing about Raid, and we talked about this, John, we highlighted this that it was concerning was back in the day, Raid was re obviously a really good map. Um, but the way it played was like, as the AR fights were a little bit longer and subs, you could sprint into Wait, doorways yeah. and win gunfights because of dexterity. Now you can't just sprint into doorways in this game. So like the way like breaking kitchen plays out way different uh, from, you know, what I've watched and, and just playing like you can't just sprint into there, win that gunfight. Right. And hit good shots. It's a lot harder. And with all the trophies and stuff, it's hard to like nade sun them out too. So you have to like win a really tough gunfight in kitchen or, you know, jump into money when a crazy gunfight. So yeah, it just plays out a little bit different, but I do not think that that take that it's buns is accurate. I think it's just a little bit different. It's not the same. <laughs> That's just the gunplay coming into play there. Um, I think the not spawns just doesn't like rotating stuff. He just wants to break from the front every single time. So he's calling these maps buns. Yeah. <laughs> not us tripping. Um, <laughs> what maps do you guys think uh, didn't play out like good this weekend? Like what map oh, was boy. not fun to watch? Checkmate control, brother. Yeah. Crossroads. Who had that crazy crossroads? Was it the Mutineers game? The uh, like was it Ultra I think it was Ultra Mutineers. They just let me see something. Let me go look back. But yeah, Crossroads, uh I'm I know Maddox tweeted out that they're looking to tweak P4. So yeah, curious if that where they put they have it. To, man, that thing sucks. Man, did you it's see where better. the proposed new hill was though? It's in the mix. It's gonna be a mixy hell. What's yeah. But is it is it gonna be ice? It was guess? boxes ice. Yeah. yeah. I didn't. That's not the only like place that. on the map that's unused. It's better than where it is. That thing sucks. I'd rather. I mean, what, do you think it'd become another mixy hill? Like, I mean, P four on Moscow. Is that what that is? That like, sucks. I, I like but, ice because then, like on P three, you can like back up and then just hold the middle. Like it, it, it gives at least a team that doesn't have P three like the ability to get initial on P four. But like, I think it's going to get mixy when people are just seeing long routes through P1. Is initial so. worth anything? Where are they going to move the spawns? That's a question. I have no idea on the hell <laughs> and how the spawns will work. I'm just picking a guess. I mean, you'd have I to just, move the spawns. In order for it to work, you'd have, you'd have to move the team that's spawning out, out yeah. towards, like, you'd have to add spawns to the game, which I don't even think exists, like, spawns around P1 or something, so they actually have to work to break it. But if, you, if, but if you spawn them on either side, you're not going to be able to hold it, like, any time. So it's just going to be another fucking... Super mixy waste of time hill. Unless Which so I hate. people spawn DP4 and like that's your diagonal across the map, and you could just like cut off. They're still gonna break it quickly. The way you move on this game, on all these games nowadays, you're gonna get there in three seconds and it's a break. You get there too fast. 
I, yeah. I remember I was I was talking about this with X, Mr. X, about it when I was watching Crossroads and why I dislike this map, especially on like a pro level. Is like if a team builds like that early lead, and and then you know you try to cut off your losses, you know, like say you get smoked P one P two, and you try to cut your losses and rotate and set up for P three. If that team successfully breaks that setup on that P three, your game is like basically chalked. Like if they success, like and yeah. and uh, I just don't think that that is like healthy for hardpoint because it's so, like at that point you're playing catch up the whole time and without spawns on that map it's like so difficult like hardpoint you should be able to you know hold it from the front make that comeback like if you execute it properly you know i just think that with crossroads i think it, that was the map i'm looking at right now it was the mutineers and ultra game where ultra just had built a huge lead and then they were just holding on to it for the rest of the game because of exactly what i'm saying and it's just, I, I just think that, that plays out lame. So I do hope that they move it somewhere. Even if it becomes a bit more chaotic, I'd rather be that than, than you have like one opportunity on the map. And if you fuck it up, you're just chalked for the rest of the game. That's my take on that. I got to do something because I, I personally don't even like playing that map because of the way it plays out and watching it is like, I thought I was going to enjoy it, right? Because so naturally you're like, oh, smaller map action. But when you play it like this, <laughs> this sucks. Yeah, yeah. This, this stinks. And watching it, I felt the same way. So hopefully they do something to change it. I don't even know how. I mean, that's a lot of work. It takes a lot to change and add spawns that are effective and feel good to the game. So that's a tough task for anyone to do. I don't know. We'll see. And the fact that you can come out of the gates with like that side and lock down P1 and you have a sponsor P2. And yeah, it's perfect. like, and then they have to hit it and you break next and flip them out. Like, dude, it's just like a, a terrible situation to be in off the rip too. Like you could barely do anything wrong and just be in a hundred point deficit two minutes and three minutes into the game. It's like, what the hell did we do wrong? So we'll see uh, any maps you guys really liked this week. Cause I have one that mm -hmm. I thought was pretty fun to watch. Actually. I Go thought, I thought Miami search was better than what people thought it was going to be. That was pretty cool. Well, when the game run map, initially right. released, I said that that map for Surge is not bad. It has, it actually has options, and that's all I ask because I love Surge and Destroy. A lot of the maps don't feel like they have options, but that map you can do a lot of different things. You can make moves. You can make a lot of mid round adjustments where I feel like it really has options. And I agree with you. I feel like that map played out really well. We saw a lot of failed, like hold attempts, a lot of man down wins on that map. I agree with you. I feel we like saw Manny like played amazing. and you can get tricky with it, right? Like we saw BZ yeah. getting pushed up to get those first bloods. We saw Kenny and Temp like pushing up up top purple or top piano, like making plays. Like you can you at like you said, you have options, and I think that makes a good search map. So like people always I saw the chat too. Miami pop up and everybody's like, oh, I hate Miami, Miami sucks, whatever. Yeah, when you're loading up a solo queue in a ranked play or Miami search and destroy might suck ass, but like on a team level, it's pretty it's pretty like strategic. It's like a good map. And um, I saw people saying like no snipers made Miami whack, which I guess if the snipers were nerfed a little bit, I think sniping on the map would be cool. But as it stands now, it'd just be ridiculous. They're too good. They're too good. Yeah, bro. Watching like Dashy or Sim play that map in the beginning of the game was wild with a sniper. You can really just like hold down both the middle and no, yeah. side of the map. For sure, absolutely just road starring everyone. For sure, I think it plays better now a little bit. It does. It might help. Like it might help. Some initial things on garrison or checkmate i guess but it's just too good the fact that you're almost never at a disadvantage with the snipers it's just not how it should be it's ridiculous i've seen people absolutely world star people up close multiple and it's not luck either it's like 
no, I expected that. It's, it's just <laughs> that good. You know what I mean? It's supposed to be supposed to be nasty, but it looks nasty, but it's really not. They're just way too good. So I'm looking at, let's see, uh, your stats on here, Ben. What's this London one? Blue out. The London, the London one? Um, yeah, like that just goes back to how well they played in that series against Florida. Like they, they were just super heavy plus lane at 1.2 in series as a team. Um, it, that's going to come down to earth, though, because they're playing a phase in Chicago back to back two of the top uh, slaying teams in the game, and I'm sure they'll rest a little bit. But if they can get a result, you know, the four teams they play next week, phase Chicago, Paris, and LAG, man, like if they split that series uh, between phase and Chicago and they go 1-1 going into matches against Paris and LAG, like, and you end up going 3-1 and this week, uh, and, and they end up 4-1 and overall, like, that's that's wild to me. Am I tripping? Um, when did London play Florida? My Boston, they didn't, they played someone else. Yeah, they played. Didn't they, they only played, play one they match. They only played Surge. Yeah, the Surge. My bad. But that's a stat. That's accurate one. for against uh, Surge, right? That was their. Yeah, yeah, it's accurate to Surge. Okay. Um, but, Dude, but I mean, either way, like you know, it's not like Surge don't have uh, talented veterans on their team, guys that can shoot back. I mean, they have Sam on their team. Pierce looked really good at times this week. We got to talk about the Pierce too. The, yeah, the Hertz thing is ridiculous, bro. How is that? Yeah. How is that possible, though? though? Yeah. It's classic so, uh, oh, he was playing on sixty hertz or whatever. Do you know how much of a difference that is, chat? Do you, you understand? You feel it immediately. Yeah. <laughs> it if was you, the if you've ever game PC. You can tell it immediately. Now, I definitely cannot contend with these guys on a pro level, but I remember when I stopped playing on console and switched to PC, and I was playing Warzone on like one forty four, two forty. I it like crossed my mind. I was like, damn, if this is what COD was, I could be a pro again. Cause I just felt that much more swaggy on the map, bro. He probably <laughs> felt like Superman in that series, bro. Like on that first map, he probably felt unbelievable, dude. Like everything looks so much better. Like his frames, like he probably uh, Pierce blows my mind, bro. I, just, I don't understand how he didn't realize that or how nobody told him that. But I get it. I, I think mean. you said it. I, that feeling, it feels so much better. Everything feels, all the clunkiness immediately goes away. Like, I don't know how you've been playing. And he was playing it, like, he's playing from Vegas to start. So he's playing from 60 hertz from a West Coast disadvantage. <laughs> like, getting yeah. absolutely smoked. It's like, sheesh. People hey, were saying but, that Pierce was absolutely terrible at this game. But and he was playing well. Now you know why. No, I know. Series. I'm saying before... Yeah. Before the matches, I'm like, dude, when has Pierce been terrible? You might not like he might not be the the greatest at times, but terrible. He's been considered one of the best players in like the last four titles. Yeah, so, they're, gonna need, they're gonna need him this season. I mean, to be yeah. to be up there and meet the goals oh, they yeah. want. I mean, that dynamic flux guy that can be a two three piecer, uh, be a difference maker in S and D. Well, what are you hoping for with that surge team, right? Like, if you're a surge, if you're surge management, you're hoping that. Octane can take over games with an AR and that Gunless is a straight super slayer and Looney and Pristini gain some sort of level of consistency in their game so you can win a championship, right? So like, so what we've seen from so far to this team is Looney and Pristini actually aren't too horrible. Like they aren't too bad. I know people like to, you know, harp on those guys, but I mean, from the sample size, we saw they had some solid maps and some bad maps. I mean, they played Empire, um, but Octane isn't Octane from last year, at least right now. So if you're like a search fan, you need him to turn up. Like you need him to be in the position where he's super frying for them to win, uh, which is entirely possible. So like that team, I think has a decent amount going for them right now. In my opinion. Yeah. Here's, my a, only... here's a weird take for me. Go ahead. I feel like 
if you ever going to be dominant, like the best at your craft, you can't be doing too much. And by that, I mean, and I, I know you're all, you're a huge content guy now, right? You're doing all this. If you're doing all this, do you feel like you could be how you were in ghosts? Zero percent chance. Zero percent, right? And Sam, more power to him. His content has been great. Like he's putting out content all over the place. Check it out. But his gameplay isn't, when I watch him, I'm like, he, he shoots super straight still. He's never not going to super shoot super straight. But I'm not watching someone that's dominant on the map. He's just doing, he's spreading himself super thin. And if he's actually going to go back to, like, being the best main AR, at least in respawns, like, the one, the guy you watch, you're like, this guy's just different. He's got to cut it out. Now, if that's not what you want to do with your life, I fully understand. If you don't feel like your team could win, I get it. Do all the content. But if you actually want to give your team a che- or your team a chance to win, I feel like you can't do it. I, it's just too much. You can't. That's a good point. That. I mean, it's if you're uh... gonna be the best. If you're gonna be the best, if you're gonna be that guy smoking people, you know, yeah. I don't people know. talk about pressure, but I think it also works the other way around. If your ARs doing a good job, of, well, your subs can play corners and push up on the map and give themselves really easy kills to chain and chain and chain pressure beyond that. And if he's not providing a plus value on the map, then you're forcing your sub players or peers to take uh, difficult and challenging gunfights, maybe against multiple players in some situations. Yeah, I mean, it comes down to what I was saying earlier, which is like almost a lost, you know, topic in COD. It's like you have to, you know, play around. You almost have to like play around like your worst player on your team. And you had to do that way back in the day. Like if you're not going to have, you know, Simp and Abizi on your team, and you have to play around those guys, right? You have to set them up for success. And uh, like you said, John, I think what you're saying is is completely spot on. Like, yeah, he spread himself a little bit thin. Um, I think last year for him, the year was so stressful and so bad that like, you know, the thoughts cross your mind of like, am I going to be able to continue doing this for years and years and years? Like, or do I need to put my cards elsewhere and I can, you know, try to balance both of them? So uh, like, I think maybe he's just like, you know, going through like a mental reset with this team and also you have to like gauge like how good your team can possibly be early and then we'll see him buckle down so like obviously octane's one of the best players in call of duty and he can get there for sure i think once if their team has that potential to be a really good team and he notices that like he'll go the extra mile to become that player once again um because last year bro like he was doing it he was frying for a lot of their matches and then you know our team was just so ass that's got to take a toll on your mental you know what i mean for sure for sure for sure that makes like for like you we've been on those teams bro like where you're just like you feel like you're really good at the game and your team just sucks and it's like i don't really want to do this anymore you know i don't want to get on and go 110 in scrims on tuesday wednesday thursday i'll go hard on friday because we play my friend that i want to beat. you know so i don't know (laughs) it just really comes down to their their practice so if they're getting good practice i think they'll be really really good team well, let's uh, rip the band-aid off. So I'll take a little bit of a fire take. This is a contract year for Sam. He has the opportunity to potentially be one of the biggest free agents on the market in this offseason and potentially have a lot of suitors. Yeah. Um, so, and especially he can get a massive paycheck uh, from the team. Contract year for everyone, is it not? Every, everyone are. that didn't, everyone that is on the same team, True. it's a contract year for all of them, right? Sure, there are definitely a lot of players, but I think if you're building a team and he's a free agent on there and let's say LA Thieves resigns all their guys, Optic resigns all their guys. Chicago, re- sorry, these resigns their guys. Optic resigns all their guys. Dallas, Atlanta. Who's who's left on there? Sam's probably near the top of that free agent pool at that point. One hundred percent. No, I think you're actually one hundred percent spot on. And then he needs to have a good year. And the fact of like, if he wants to get back on one of those rosters in this offseason or build like a crazy good team like that, 
uh, or possibly have an organization that supports him grab one of those guys, he needs to be extremely desirable. And this year is important for that, uh, for all those reasons. This is definitely for him, like a really important year for him staying at the top. So I think he does need to have a big year. I think for that whole team though, in general, it's just a massive year for all of them. Uh, especially a player like, like gunless, like, he the last couple of years there was a point where we were like this guy's the best player in the game at least once so for him this is a huge huge year for gunless to take over and have one of those moments once again even if it's just one tournament like he needs to do that um on top combo like comboed with his you know new approach to being a teammate i think would be just great for his um reputation level in cod so they have a lot to prove bro it's not like they they lack motivation they definitely have everything going for him in that I regard. Think, I mean, and both, I feel like both Preston or Prestini and Looney are both at that point where if things don't go well or decently well, you could easily see them. If the league doesn't expand, you could see them in a spot where they're not in the league, right? I feel like no matter what, even if, let's say, Surge have the worst year ever that's ever existed, Sam and Pierce will still find themselves yeah. a spot. But for the other two, it's like, even if it's not necessarily their fault, it'll be like, you guys didn't provide enough to help win. So why do we want you on the team? And it, it, you go really quickly from being a player that's been in the league, been at the top for super long to not being in the league. And I'm talking like aches is no longer in the leagues. People like that where he has 300 tournament wins and not even considered for a spot. So these times right now are, are super important. And that's not a shot at aches. It's nothing against him. I wish I had 300 tournament wins. I'm just saying, yeah, that's no. how important yeah. a lot of these matches are for these guys. Like you have to get these W's and it just is what it is, man. It's time. And then there's also the, I mean, that team just has a lot of weird things outside of the game that you have to think about. Like with Preston, it's like, will he be able to complete a full season of Call of Duty at this point with the things that go on, you know, outside kind of for him in his mental and stuff like that. So for him, I mean, he's he has a couple, you know, uh, walls of adversity that he has to get over himself. So it's a huge year for him on an individual level to like prove that he can do you know, build something with a squad that maybe not is not supposed to be that best team and also individually, you know, get past some of the things that have been holding him back in his own mindset, you know, because, you know, maybe, you know, when he's teaming with his brother, like he can help him out, get through some of those things. And now he doesn't have that. So it definitely something to think about for him. And then for Looney, this is a contract. Like if Looney doesn't, if their team isn't like a top four team for a couple of events, like I feel like Looney will be the guy that teams are just like, ah, I don't really want to grab that guy. You know what I mean? So they have to make like a statement and that would just be beneficial on all sides, on all parts of them. Because yeah, I don't even see people. Go ahead. There are a lot of guys next up in challengers. You got the Western kids. Um, you've got people, the UT crew, uh, Timmy and his cousin, Dylan Rex. Uh, you got the guys in the New York Subliners Academy. Nato is frying in the Challengers League. Like, there are yeah. a lot of people out there that will take spots. And very quickly with this format, you can see teams taking a change after stage one and not waiting until the middle of the year. You can't afford to lose those points when you get to the major uh, and end up starting at the bottom end of that bracket of champs. Especially with like with the upward trend that COD is on, this is the the fan base building phase for these organizations. You're building your foundation right now, right? Like last year I get was a test, was to figure out the potential of COD, the launch, inaugural year of COD. This year, I mean, like you saw, it was the, the most watched opening weekend of a regular season or most watched regular season, something like that. It was it was great numbers, <laughs> great great numbers for COD. People watch, people tuned in. Great numbers for COD. 
I mean, we have league play. We're in the game now. Like the digital assets are coming in the 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 calling cards, the suits, everything. They look awesome. Like this is full fledged. We're we're running now. You know what I mean? So this is where you're building your fan base. And then once we start getting back to like lands, hopefully sometime this year, that's when you're really solidifying the foundation of your fan base. So it is important for these teams to win this year. So that's added pressure onto management and organizations to build a winning roster. You know, if you don't have a Clayster, if you don't have a Scump or these guys with a huge big brand to sell hoodies and stuff like that, then you need to have a, a winning team. So these yeah. teams like Surge, et cetera, like, yeah, they're after major one, major two, maybe they will be looking at picking up some amateur players and building a fan base based around that rather than shooting in the dark or finding a needle on a haystack for a championship with a team that's not performing. Yeah, I had to bring up hoodies. Trouble. Got <laughs> all horny orcs. But yeah, that's awesome how COD's doing right now. I guess we could talk about that too. That was sick viewership we had this weekend, bro. Uh, I think like the lowest I saw a stream was like 55k for like the Paris and Gorillas match. Um, but yeah, dude, we had, what was it, like 100 plus optic phase like the whole time. Shit was crazy, dude. It helped that the matches were actually like pretty much for the most part, they were entertaining. They're all pretty entertaining, right? So, as opposed to last season, where I could honestly say where a lot of them were just <laughs> they were duds, they were complete duds. This this season, those guys, those even the with the exception of like maybe a couple blowouts, right? Yeah, they were pretty. They were pretty fun to watch. So that's that bodes well for COD. And like we talked about the parody along, uh, across the league, that bodes well for COD. So that when you tune in, you're not watching a bunch of a bunch of stinkers, basically. Yeah, and that's huge. It helps that the the four biggest, I guess we'd call them legacy brands, even though you know, Hundred Thieves was only in COD for a few years. All four of them have very highly competitive uh, top teams currently driving viewership, but also driving interest uh, from the outside. That really helps. Uh, and I think a lot of these other teams, like a Florida Mutineers that build correctly, Toronto that have built correctly over the last two years, they're going to start to build their fan base more and more. Uh, and once we start to go lands and people that are living in those cities are like, cool, there's an event. Like, like that's going to drive a lot of uh, growth for those teams going into year three, year four, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Also, I have you guys noticed this? Um, and I don't know if it's just like people have figured out after. Uh, hold on. I, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but I don't know if it's just maybe the pandemic hit and they had to figure it out and pivot. But since 100 or LA, 100 Thieves joined the league with LA Thieves. <laughs> All the team's content has stepped up now. Like, they're making more content pieces, et cetera. I don't know if it's, like, that happened, and they're like, okay, we got to level up and make sure we're making some fire content, because we all know 100 Thieves is known for not just their hoodies, but also their great content team. But every team has started, like, Empire with the Crim questions, and then, like, their uh, your little taste show that they did. Uh, Optic has always been good at that. But we're seeing, like, Ultra had, like, their little skit with their sponsor, Jack Links. Like, we're seeing teams create more and more content now which I think has been good for viewership as well. I think that that's been a, like has a direct correlation um, to, you know, more people becoming fans of these teams and actually supporting their matches rather than only tuning in for, you know, one big game. So I think that, you know, rockers doing some good stuff too. They have like their weekly podcast and shit. So I think that the content has been great. So last year, whereas me and John, we harped on a lot of organizations for not making good content. I just want to say this year, they've been doing good. Um, I really do feel like the it's the pandemic. I 100% believe that a lot of people are now together, like in Texas or wherever they may be. Toronto's all in Toronto. It forces you to figure out something to do. Like, we, all right, we got to do something. We can't really make the the general 
uh, recon type, whatever it is, like where they follow you events and follow you the hotel rooms. Like you got to do something where you got fun with it, and they're doing a really good job with what it can do. It's hard. It's definitely hard nowadays to get content teams out and do what you need to do. But I'm liking what I'm seeing so far from pretty much everyone across the league. All right, now, uh, lastly, unless you guys have anything else you want to talk about, I want to talk about next week, the Super Week, the freaking Gauntlet Week. Um, super Super Week. It's crazy. It moved around some of the matches. It's like, uh, let's see, Mutineers now play like back-to-back days, which could be very good for them because they play Gorillas and then Legion. So they can just sort of like catch fire and steamroll back-to-back and gain some momentum, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So who is it like a must-win? Like who has to have a great week here? Paris, right? They have to to win that Mutineers match, I think. Florida. Uh, Yeah, so that match, that's like the most crucial match i think for week two in terms of like future is like florida and paris right let's see what else is there i would say uh if i, I remember looking at this i would say the royal ravens actually but they play like empire one, they play no but they play da- or new york first yeah they do you're right so i feel like they have to win that because their next matches are literally the top of the pack Empire phase LA Thieves or something like that or something like or Empire LA Thieves rocker like it doesn't get for the next three it doesn't get much harder than that that's a the ridiculous that's a ridiculous stretch the they gotta win that first match is if they win a couple of those then that group again we talked about tiebreakers and then in this uh, uh, conversation the tiebreakers in that group become insane if somehow London win like two or three of those matches. Uh, and we're we're starting to think about map to map count between three tied teams that are potentially three and two oh. or four and one. Oh, okay, Ben. But if you were a Vegas odd maker, the chance yeah. that they win probably not that high against but... Subliners, <laughs> Dallas, and Thieves. You put a thousand dollars on that, you probably make a hundred grand. Like they're they're not gonna win. Yeah. They're not gonna win all three of those matches. I mean, just... honestly, if you look at the if you look at the week, every single match has major implications. Uh, just because you only have you can only play five games. So I mean. Yeah. Like just looking at it, like Gorillas, Muneers, Muneers, Legion, any any Muneers match, uh, Ravens, Subliners, like all these matches are are super important. Uh, even down to these like rocker matches, like what rocker will we see next week after they beat Empire and got that confidence? Maybe a brand new team. So I don't really think it's necessary for us to give predictions and stuff because every match is so important. It's going to be impossible to accurately predict next week, legitimately, like even come close. <laughs> I think I could do it. I'm usually 100% spot on with predictions. Well, let's make our uh, predictions and then we'll post them to, to the Twitter and see <laughs> see who got most of them right. We could also make a podcast pick them group, which I think would be we cool. Do that. We should definitely do that. And then you get points and stuff. So see who's we winning. That. Maybe at the end of the year, somebody gets an XP care package or something. That'd be fire. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. See who's the smartest. See who's the smartest. Is. We can yeah. probably do that with fans and amongst us. Or who's the craziest. One or the other. Anyways, though, so, uh, is there any other topics you guys want to hit before we do Collins? Ben, you want to talk about that? Uh, Challengers Elite. What are your guys' thoughts on the competition? Uh, and if you've watched, sort of, what are your thoughts on the top teams, both in Europe and NA? Um, let's see. Mm-hmm. Let, me go look. Let me go look back. I know Challengers uh, have been freaking grind. Their league started. Let's see. I'll give, I'll give my thoughts. I mean, from, from top to bottom, Wester's obviously been sort of at the head of NA. And they've just been frying. Let's see. And I know a lot of people say, oh, it's the Triple West. Like, they've only lost a couple of maps. They went off those two. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, so that's that's pretty whack. Uh, and, and they just beat Subliners Academy 
I believe yesterday. I want to beat them 3-0. Yeah. So um, they still have a match against UT Crew. Um, that would be interesting if UT Crew win that. And we have like a three-way tie at five and one, but luckily Wester will be on top of that. Uh, and then for me in Europe, um, the Orgless team, which I believe, um, what's the roster? Train hard on that team. Um, yeah, I'm trying to pull up all this info yeah, first yeah. right now. Hold on. So Orgless is the uh, the team with uh, Nasty and Vortex, Josh and Harry. And then Trainhard is Hydra's team, so it's him, Keza, Whalers, and uh, this uh, uh, kid. Hydra's actually been frying, by the way, in, in uh, these matches. I don't know. So uh, Wester has won. They won the first four cups. Holy cow. And <laughs> Jeez, dude. I mean... What was it? Pollock, Venom, Tom Gravity. Tom Gravity, and, and uh, uh, Zap. Zaptius. I mean, you got a lot of guys, like, they're not onliners. A lot of those guys have won lane events over the last couple of years. Tom, I swear, has been on, like, the top. I feel like Tom's been for, like, frying for years. for years. Yeah, he's got to be, like, one of the next up. Um, you think, he's see. been going at it for a while, though, right? Every time I hear people say who they're going to bring up, they never bring him up. His name is never brought up for whatever reason. Well, I, the, I don't know anything about him as a player. It's the main saying, it's always like. I mean, it's so hard to break it. Like, think about the many hours in the league. It's just such a, it's the hardest position to break through in the league because you've either got established leaders or people that are constantly plus slayers. And like, you're not, you know, you're not going to unseat those guys. On top of that, you know, 12 people lost their spot and they, those were ARs. So that, that kind of explains, although I do think at some point someone will give Tom a shot in the league. You, you deal like directly with uh, that broadcast, right, Ben, or, or what? No. Oh, you don't? Oh, okay. I was going to ask you some questions about it. <laughs> but yeah, they've been... Yeah, no, it just seems like Wester's been frying. New York Academy obviously looks good. I haven't been specifically watching those matches, more so just been on the CDL side of things. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like what we talk about. Like, those guys that are consistently popping up on the timeline, the guys that are consistently winning, like, it's really just the top guys that always get brought up. You know, if you're getting third and fourth and stuff like that, usually you don't really see those guys get brought up. So yeah, I mean, we'll see how they continue to do as the year goes on. Um, and see if any of them get get moved on up. But I mean, as of right now, on my radar is really just, you know, like we talk about Nato, and then we talk about the guys that aren't West Star. We'll see though. Yeah, we'll we'll love to see the West Star guys kind of bet on themselves and try and stick through it this whole year because if there is an expansion team next year, would love to see those guys carry that on but into another year. And would they that all get faded. picked? Would they all hot get? Take, yeah. See, this is this is, where, this is where this is where I have to come in because you've always been sort of partial towards the challengers teams, Ben, and you can't deny yeah. that. And for those guys, like that full team is not going to get brought on to a franchise. It just will not like they wouldn't. No. I, I don't see that happening. Um, and specifically because I think those teams would get a, a solid player from another team and give them enough money to make them come over here and say, hey, let's build a team around you. And then we'll see some of the talent maybe get spread out a little bit more across the league. And then maybe two or three of those guys get put on teams across the board. But I don't think you're seeing a team come in and pick up that full team. Um, I just don't see it. I just don't see it happening. I think. I think what would happen. I, I, look, as a management, I, I, I was kind of tossing out a fire right. take out there, and yes, I don't have do it. That as a management, have impartial the challengers team. Whilst on phase, did uh, help assemble the greatest challengers amateur team of all time, FC Black. Um, but, but that guess aside, I do kind of see what will happen is Paul X or Venom may get, end up. Uh, on another team and so they won't be able to stick with that four but yeah. um you know you you love to see i mean we've seen it man like uh there have been so many good up-and-coming teams over the years uh going so far as back as like aw that 
um, came out of open or a challengers team and fried and just broke up and we never got to see their full, full potential. And I think this West Star team, if we do get some challengers lands this year, we'd love to see uh, them prove everybody wrong and go to land and continue to still win. Let's see. Okay, was yeah, it, were they on a full been... roster last year? Oh, go ahead, John. I'll talk about no, it. Oh, here. Okay. So were. when I say that people like people in the chat and and Ben, like when you guys say that they're going to pick up a whole team, I'm not going to take away from their accomplishments, right? They're a good team. They're a good challengers team. They're doing well, blah, blah, blah. But you realize that they're beating other challengers teams in yeah. these tournaments. Like, right? You guys realize that, right? And what's going to happen is they're going to take whoever the people consider their best players. They're going to take them away from that team. That team instantly becomes worse. There's no, there's no way that that team sticks together throughout the whole season and actually gets picked up. That would be dumb from a management team's perspective anyways, when there's going to be other free agent pros that are out there to get to add to the team that can improve spots where you're a little bit weaker. Absolutely. You're talking about players like, I don't want to say anyone's name because they'll get upset. I know that they can beat pros, by the way, if they were to play them they in matches. They pros all the time almost every Of week. course, because they're a good, it's a good team to play when you don't have a pro scrim. They're the best challengers team. That does not mean you can't beat them, but it's not like there haven't been good challengers or AMS teams in the past where they beat other AM teams and then lose to even the bottom pro teams. I got. I feel like people don't understand that there's levels to this at a consistent basis when it comes to pro gameplay. For example, if you took Paris Legion and you put them in challengers, I'm pretty sure that they would be getting to the finals of nearly every single challengers tournament. Every single one. Like that, there there are levels to this, and that's something that people forget. Like they romanticize the idea of the four, you know, am average Joes coming into the league and and frying pro teams which I just, I don't see it happening. And from a management position, I think that that would be honestly like an asinine move to make. And it probably wouldn't even happen anyways. Cause if they were dominate, if they dominate the entire year and they continue to fry like this, one of those guys is going to get brought up anyways, prior to them, that even being an option. Um, yeah, I know there was uh, some interest on a couple of their players um, due to the zero situation, but those were trial basis, and I, I think those folks... They always are, though. For them to even even Parasite up. was picked up on a trial basis, yeah. and then it's like a two-week basis, and then you have to get a full contract. But once we get to so stage one, and teams are making real changes after that, you know, I, they're going to they're gonna struggle to keep that team together, but again, wishful thinking, would love to see them dominate challengers this year, and then see what happens after that. As a as a player, I think you'd actually be dumb not to take an opportunity as a professional to be on a starting professional team and get your shot at becoming like a, a real piece. Like I don't know what team Awakening was on last year in Am in the Am Worlds. I don't know if you know if you can remember, but that's how relevant it is in the grand scheme. Yeah. I do not. I watched all these matches. And I couldn't remember, and then he comes in and is a vital piece to a pro team. Like stick with your team, Awakening. You'll get like no. You guys all get if you get the opportunity, like, no. take yeah. Like no, take like him it. Now. I mean, he's on a good ass team. He was. Oh, he was on Wester before he was picked up. Exactly. Exactly. What? Yeah. Leave that. <laughs> yeah, leave that. No, sir. Go take your shot. Maybe you'll make a difference. Like what? That is that is faded. Anyone who gets an opportunity on a team that doesn't completely suck should take it. Like, so New York last year, also, they were bad. It's not like we haven't seen completely suck. It's not like we haven't seen Zapdius play in the league. Didn't he get uh, play some league matches? What, what game was that? He's uh, in Black Ops 4. Yeah, didn't he get thunder? He got thunderclapped like smoke. Like, it, it just <laughs> takes a bit, you know? Um, that's not a shot at him as a player. He could have gotten better. You know, that experience is definitely beneficial to his career. It's just, it's a different level. Definitely a different level. Um, um, I, I see a take in the chat that franchise statistically open bracket teams did not win many series when they came out of open uh, at any of these events. There are rare exceptions to that, like the E6 team back in AW, but most teams that came through open 
in the day got three smoked by everybody they played and that was that i also i mean just like from personal experience i played through open a few times and i've never not made it through open like i've always made it through open and i've gotten top eight nearly every time i've made it through open so like there are teams that fry in there and yes they make it through but like and when we see like some of the when we saw historically some of the pro teams that failed to qualify at the initial qualifiers in the game they yeah. fried their way through open and, and made runs and did what they needed to do to secure themselves back in the league. I remember for when FaZe went through open and they got top four at the tournament. I remember my team was forced to go through open and we were supposed to play all these AM teams that were going to be way better than us and beat us and knock us out. And we ended up playing them and beating all of them. And then we played like Priestess team, which was the new, the West star at the time. And we smoked them to, you know, <laughs> to get through and to secure our spot into the league. So it was like, when you think about it historically in COD, it hasn't been like that. So whereas they might, you know, come in and win a couple games, would it be a smart decision to pick up a whole team? Yet to be known. We'll see. I the only example that I could think of, and I saw it in chat, was like Midnight in Black Ops, uh, Black Ops Four, and those. I mean, and there they were players never actually played, a, and they never actually played an actual tournament either. So we never yeah. even know how they competed in a real tournament. But yeah, that would be the best example for sure. I don't know. Uh, I think the only other example I can think of was E6, but I think at that Ontario event where they played well, it was like, I don't think they were different, a event. Different it was like era, a dude. Bracket. Yeah. Also, that was a one-off. Mm-hmm. After that, they never got to even well, close to that again. Well, the team fell apart after that. They, they had the whole contract situation, and they ended up having a totally different roster. Well, that's not, that's not true, is it? I don't yeah. think, whatever. The contract situation, they were yeah, unknown that, people. A, yeah, but they had a whole thing where they were trying to re-sign contracts, and team fell apart, and like Caden... Kane Ruiz left. There also, was whole thing. Keep in mind with that, that with that uh, midnight team, it wasn't like it was players who had been playing. Like Envoy had gotten top four at uh, was it or top six or top four at like the top national six. championship, and Lama God had been dabbling in pro level play for like four years at that point. So like it's not. Yeah, it was a little, little bit different. Uh, and then yeah, we never saw them play actual match, and then players went to other places and were freaking godlike, um, like Envoy. <laughs> All right, but uh, anything else? Uh, That was a good topic, Ben. Great topic. Uh, Anything else, John, you want to talk about before we do Collins? No, I think that's good. Then We're good. Yeah, Collins. Let's get him. Gersh, if you're in the chat, uh, you can drag in the first Colin. I got to drag people in. Just give me a second. Okay. Oh, he doesn't have powers. (laughs) Might also take people a second when I drag them in for another in the channel. Oh, hey, can you guys hear me? Hello, Trouble. How are you doing? Oh, what's today? up, Trouble? How you doing? Hey, pretty good. This first, actually, the first time this week I had power. <laughs> oh my god! Excuse me. Godspeed to you, man. Where are you at, Texas? Yeah, I'm in Auburn, Austin. I've been walking. I've walked like 40 miles in the past two days. Oh, I'm so sorry, man. How you been staying warm? Oh yeah, I got power like literally 1 a.m. So I've been oh, pretty man. good since then. Oh, that's good. Uh, well, glad you're safe. Uh, what do you want to talk about today? All right, so my question is more about uh, London schedule, considering like they have four matches, and the easiest one to win is Subliners, and even that's not even an easy one to win. No I was easy wondering matches. How, <laughs> I was wondering how uh, Parasite's two-week contracts get looked at, considering they have a real realistic chance of going 0-5, and kind of their outlook moving forward in the season. So Don't quote me on this, but I think that that two-week period already went past, and they signed him for sure yeah so from, oh, okay. from my understanding like, yeah it's really hard right now to go from the uk to the us yeah due to coronavirus um, on top of that i have no idea 
what the current situation is with Zero's visa, and there's a lot of steps. Once you even get approved for the visa to get stamped and then be able to actually travel with that. So I would not be surprised if he's going to end up playing almost all of stage one with them and maybe into stage two. Um, but are you asking how does he get viewed as a player if they go on five or um, like sort of like the implications of this week for Parasite's career? Is that what you're asking? Or are you more so wondering uh, what he well, gets? Well, I guess on? at the start, because I didn't know he got re-signed. Or like on that extended contract, so I guess now it's more about I guess how he's going to get viewed because this is kind of his comeback, and well, so these are really important. So that is entirely forward. up to Haggy. Uh, I think for a parasite like he doesn't even need to go off if he does his job and plays like like so. The thing about parasite that's always been in question is one his ability to be a good teammate, which that's starting to turn around a little bit, starting to turn around. Some of the pros are starting to, you know, become more friendly with him, change their mind on that. So he's done a good job there. But it's also, it also, when he plays on a pro level, does he get smacked down in some of the pro matches? Because he fries. When you watch Parasite Stream in these challenger matches and, you know, scrims and everything like that, he's very good. Like, he's really good at all these games. And last year, he's a great player. So far in this game, he's been a great player. But sometimes in the history of his career, he's gotten into these big matches and he's gotten fried and there's been an excuse a lot of the time. So I think if he can just play consistent and do what we see out of him in challengers, which he doesn't go, you know, completely crazy. If he's just consistent, then I think a team will give him a shot next year if they have a, a flex or many hour position open. I think he can get a good opportunity. I don't think he needs to go above and beyond. He just needs to be consistent and not cause any problems and create zero excuses. That's that's what I would be looking for as if I was a manager on the cusp of like, should I be looking at Parasite as a potential player for my team or sub? That's what I would be looking at this, these two weeks. I hope that answers your question. Oh, yeah, it definitely does. Well, thank you, Treble. Yep. But like, John, Ben, do you guys agree with that? Like, he just needs to do what he's been doing in Challengers, which is just being a consistent good teammate. Let me uh, toss a fire take out into the void that we didn't really talk about. Really surprised what's what's happened with with Dylan uh, and his current skill ability was was an absolute fryman in Black Ops Four and hasn't been at that level since then. With, and I wonder which, which Dylan, Dylan Cod. What I saw out of Dylan this week was incredible. The plays that he was making, things he was doing on the map. I don't know statistically what you're looking at, um, but. Or from what I saw Dylan doing was he is still very good, very capable. Um, what is his stats? What are you looking at there? Uh, I can I can double check, but last time I I think believe when I looked at the stats he was uh, either in the mid or, or low on KD. Um, so I thought Dylan's he looked kind good. Of right average spot on right now on KD. He's like literally right in the middle, uh, in the mid mid point nines. Yeah, I but thought not, Dylan looked good, not man. Not the level we saw in Black Ops 4 where he was just straight dominating teams by himself in that game. But here's the thing. I think he's still on that level, bro. John, you're muted. We haven't heard you this whole time. Oh, well, all the pros say that it has to do with grapple. He was the best grapple player in Black Ops 4, so he just had a ridiculous impact on the map. After watching him last season, he wasn't even bad. His team was just... There's baiters on his team. Let's just keep it a buck. Yep. And he was always having to do so much. I don't feel like he even played bad in that single match we saw this weekend. So I'll be completely honest with you. I mean, from the eye test, watching Dylan, I think he can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with, any, with any sub. Like, in the right situation, right, like, I don't know what the intangibles, like the communication aspect of him, his level of understanding of the game, but Gunny, 
Bro, he nothing. He hasn't lost a, a step in that regard, in my opinion. He was I think Dylan's nasty too. He was gunning, bro. I think that kid is really, really, really good. Really good. Uh, he doesn't, you know, have crazy good ARs around him. You know, it's not like I mean, he's his ARs and his flex and AR right now are Haggy and Shawnee. I mean, yeah, it's a tough duo. You know, that that's a that's a really like they can win games. But are is that a, a long term team? No. Nasty. Like yeah. like in with Trey back, like I could see Dylan getting back to that Black Ops four level, but like that's not even a shot at Haggy, it's just the role that Trey would play for the team. So I I think Dylan's disgusting, bro. I'll tolerate no Dylan slander in the chat. Fair yeah, enough. I'm not I'm not feeling that fire take as you called it, Ben. <laughs> I disagree. I mean <laughs> last year though, like I could see why somebody would say that. But like just having shot against these guys, like in when you when I watch Dylan play, I know the level of player that he is, you know, and I just see I see that it's not his fault that his stats aren't looking the best. Yeah, we would like to see him team with some um, American players, and we've never and, seen it. Uh, yeah. We've never seen it. Like even in that game in Black Ops Four, he was completely super frying, taking over games. But like he had some games where some series where he had point eights, point nines. That's the nature of his play style. You know what I mean? Um, so, and he didn't have the crazy good players around him in that game. So if he had a different team, imagine the damage that kid could do, you know, if you took him and put him on rocker, you took him and put him on with, oh with God, octane and running on the map. Yeah. Or him and with octane, like his shit would be crazy. Uh, who's in here? Uh, Obliv oblivious. What's up? Hi guys. Big fan. Thanks, man. What's up? Uh, I just have a quick question. Um, what do you think about optics uh, recent SD performances performances and do you think uh, they need to bring in someone like Tupac no. as a coach for SD? No. 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 Obviously they haven't been good, right? <laughs> but I mean, we talked about this a little bit earlier. I don't think it's as big a deal as say Ant does, but I think that over time they're gonna figure it out. They probably haven't played the maps that many times together at least so once they figure out a little bit they're never going to be a great search team i never think that's going to be the case but they just have to be average and i wouldn't stress too much about that right now for optic honestly also run into maybe the core of what will end up being one of the best SNE teams of all time yeah that's a good point yeah that's what i'm saying honestly though like my view on search and destroy is a lot of it comes down to like you can have all the strategies in the world game plans whatever you call it Honestly, a lot of search and destroy comes down to like situational play and reactions. Like, yo, uh, I'm gonna go mid this round, right? And just how you go about going mid, you know, like you might play, you know, an amateur team where a kid just hits straight up the middle of the map and catch you off guard. You're like a pro team, like go mid. All right, I'm gonna go street and make sure nobody's there. If there's nobody street, I'm gonna converge over here with you. We're gonna wait and team fire or team push into gold together. You know what I mean? Like it just comes down to like that that. Uh, that small communication on the map and situational play, being able to assist your teammates. And that's where Optic is undeniably going wrong, right? Like, no matter what situation that they're in, like if somebody's making a play or there's a play call on the map right now, the other teammates or whoever's in the other positions on the map are not in positions to be of assistance. And they're not taking advantage of situations that they get the first blood, where they have the advantage on the map. And that comes down to those situational plays that you have to be on top of. And that's on an individual level. You know, like there's so many times you can go back and look at a round and be like, yo, why didn't you come help me here? And like next time come help me here. But you can't emulate every nope. single situation in search and destroy. So it really comes down to the individual. So it's on people like formal 
to figure that because I think Envoy's fine with it. It's on people like Formal to figure it out, right? Like, yeah, you know, the scumps to figure it out, things like that. And they have to get on the same page in the, with their timing and stuff and realize what your teammate is even capable of doing on the map as, as well at the same time to know what play you can make. So that's that's what I noticed from them. Okay. And I don't know if you could fix that. Like, sometimes I players can't, can. like, but like, sometimes teams don't fix those problems, though. Like, that's like individual, like, search and destroy, like, level of play that sometimes teams don't fix. So uh, if there is no crutch play style, like other CODs where you can just four push together, or obvious plays that work in search and destroy, and like, they might not be able to fix it, but we'll see. I think they're they're good enough to maybe put it together. But I don't think you need to bring in a, a um, you know, a, like a Tupac to teach them that. I don't even know if Tupac would have the ability to be able to coach a team uh, like on an individual mentality level like that. I don't know. I, I have no idea what he's capable of, so I don't think that that's a, the answer at all. Is this spur from Tupac saying, I think he put out a tweet saying like he wants to come help, but he meant, he meant as a player. I'm pretty much 100% sure. He wanted to come play for a team. I think it was just like community posts, like after the match, people were saying. No, it was a like, Tupac tweeted Tupac. something. I think he did tweet something before that. He did break it down in a YouTube video. If you saw that. Okay, anybody not. can do that though. All right, hold on. Listen, that anytime, <laughs> anytime I see the, the like, um, you know, the analysis videos after matches is like anybody can watch something over and over and in hindsight say what you should and could have would have done and he's just no denying he's a great search and short player but like real time going into a match being able trying to like teach somebody like what decisions that they should make like it's just endless i don't know i don't even know i don't even know if i would be able to you know teach somebody that comes from like experience and like an aha moment when it goes well for you i don't know it's hard to explain it without you having experienced it but i know john can attest to what i'm saying yeah, I mean, you can't teach you can't teach basic basic thought like the way that you react to certain things on the map. They're never going to be the same again. You can't teach it. So that's team. That's like that's just like teamwork too. Like knowing what your teammates capable of. Uh, we'll see. I mean, they have like in the past when they were really good at search and destroy. Like, what was it? Black Ops Four in the beginning of the year with like TJ Dashy, Crim Scum. They were nasty at search, right, John? And that yeah. was when Dashy was like world starring with a sniper. TJ was pushing up and getting first bloods. Like, there's no sniper. That's not even like a consistent way to like, you know, win. Like, I don't. We'll see. I can't make any predictions for them in search and destroy. Gonna, but it did not look good. This, they're going to need this search and destroy prowess though. If they want to beat teams like Atlanta and Dallas will get better at search. I just that's that's got to be a goal for them if they want to win multiple majors this year. And what I was just saying, like, those are things that Atlanta and Dallas has. All the, those the individual situational reactions and plays, like, they have that. Making something out of nothing. That's why they're winning their, you know, all their 2v2s, because they have that, mm -hmm. bro. Um, even Minnesota, like, they have that, too. Like, they know what they're doing. They're clutching. I don't know. Search is, yeah. like, is, is super fun to watch in this game, though, because you can just outplay the shit out of, out of people right now. All right. Anyways, thanks for the question. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks. You set me on a bender right there. Yeah. <laughs> Cod makes sense again, though. You know, like last yeah, year. Yeah. You didn't have options last year, bro. I like it. Ah, oh, who's in here? Jake. Jake, what up, dude? Hey, how's it going, guys? Going good. Good, good, good. So my question was: with the new format in the CDL, it's pretty apparent that the league is trying to move 
back toward like a pool play open style event that we used to have before there was franchising. And the community has been asking for something like that for a while now. And do you guys think moving forward, it's possible to create a franchise event format that is as good or better than what we used to have back in the CD, the CWL days. Um, so you mean like an actual open tournament? Like I, I don't, the way this styled now is now it's like, it's about as good as you're going to get. You're never going to get, you're not going to get any large scale tournament like you did back then. Yeah. Cause they paid the money to be in here. Yeah. Open teams are never going to play against pro teams. Ever. I mean, do you, do you guys think it's possible to maybe bring in the academy teams? No, no, no. That's a bummer. That's think about it. To do that, happen. think about it. To do that, what would need to happen, Jake? Think about it logistically and realistically. Like, what would need to happen? First of all, let's think about it logistically. How many stations would you need with PCs set up? And also, like, I haven't even be. We talked about this before. Like, imagine the open tournament now that we're on PC. Trying to set that up, every single person. I know Ben's probably stressed thinking about it. Like that, that like logistically, that probably would not even work. To be completely, to be completely honest, no, I, I, like, it, it's a massive it can, undertaking. It can work. I mean, there have been, you know, DreamHack and ESEA have have done stuff in the past. Bring your own. But having a standardized ECA, super. Like, no, 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 Ben. It's, it's never it's been done. Easy, you just made that up. You, it's always a super small scale, or you bring your own stuff. Yes, I've been it's to one never of those. Been. Been. I went to. It adds logistical challenges, but I'm not going to say it's impossible. I think that's cap to say that. It's definitely not impossible, but logistically, it is a nightmare, and the issues that it brings up. <laughs> Are, there's a lot but anyways aside from that even if we were just impossible, being even bro. if we were just wishful thinking thinking that it was possible why would all the teams agree to do that and risk like your team losing to, like you know your academy team and like it's just like it's a league like you don't see i don't know like d league nba teams playing playing the lakers playing the lakers it just, happen. it just does not happen yeah so it's just the league um so yeah, no, I mean, to answer your question is just like, to our knowledge, no, that probably will never happen. Um, Some, wish we had someone us. in the chat said, oh, what, Counter-Strike? No, they don't do that in Counter-Strike. Usually in Counter-Strike, there's one station, one or two stations. Yeah, but I'm telling you, you go to DreamHack events and there's open tournaments all the time. In. You bring your own stuff. You, you bring your own stuff. Too. I mean, I mean, it's okay. It's but the thing is, so the way C you know how CWO works, they get there days before and they set all this crap up. You think they're going to set up like a quadrillion PCs and have no issues? The settings change. I, I think it's doable. Yeah. It's definitely a challenge. Well, they did but... it back in the day with StarCraft. They did do it back in the yeah. day with StarCraft, but that's one guy per t like, like it's, it's different. Like it's not, I don't know. It's like four people. <laughs> I don't know. That shit would be crazy, so, bro. So do you need nine PCs per? Because you need the host PC or whatever it is. Yeah. That just sounds like an absolute nightmare. It's possible, obviously. You can set up nine PCs, but where do you need, where do you get in all this space? Where like <laughs> that's a nightmare. In either way, you still wouldn't funnel into the to the yeah. main tournament. I wish I had Spencer here because Spencer used to have a stat on how many open bracket teams actually won series in past uh, TWL tournaments. That number was not very big. It was like less than ten, I think, per year. Yeah, and then it's like. With the fantastic viewership that we're getting and the way everything's going, why would that even be like a necessary undertaking that would be like, is that something that you would consistently do for COD? Like, is that something that I, I just don't see that being it's an option it, from a viewership standpoint? I'll tell you right now, it's horrible. Whenever you had to wait for those and I'll even say this when I worked in the desk and doesn't have to say this, but the, when you had to wait <laughs> for the open team to play all the matches in pool play, 
holy crap, that is when everyone sleeps. <laughs> that is when everyone sleeps. Like, what time does the magic start? 12? Yeah, but the tournament, the tournament starts back at like 6. You're like, alright, I'll be there at 6.30. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, Those I mean, the venues the were completely... The, tournament. the venue's completely yes. empty, the crowd's empty. Like, it's just... There's a place for it to be put on, on display, and that's on a stream. And... Yes, that is a, a great training ground and place to build talent, and it is necessary. But they do not need to be directly compared to our pros and playing against the pros. That is special and it's separate. You know, like in my mind. Um, but yeah, thanks for the question, Jake. I no problem. Thanks for the answer, guys. Thank you. All right, I'll direct the next next person in. They here. have like a huge prize pool too, don't they? Isn't wasn't challengers like two fifty? Elite is a lot of money, man. Like there is, they have put an insane investment in a challenger the last couple of years. And this year, I think the elite format is great. Uh, the people have been tuning in. The matches have been really good. I'm excited to see when like playoffs and the high stakes stuff really kicks in. We need to see the relegation matches. Like those are going to be really meaningful. Yeah. All right. Uh, Moss MD, what's up? What's going on boys? How are we doing tonight? Doing good. Great night. How Life's you doing? good. Life's good. I'm um, pretty good. Just chilling. First time on the show, you know. <laughs> yeah, a little nervous, but it's all good. Oh, you're good, dude. We're chilling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Um. So my question has to do a little bit with like the player personalities themselves. So um, my question is going to be: So building furniture can be one of the most frustrating things to do, depending on who's helping you out. If y'all had to pick one current pro to build a dresser from IKEA, who would it be and why? <laughs> <laughs> A current pro to build something. Yeah, just Apathy. like yeah, I was gonna say app too. <laughs> guy's yeah. a dad. He's gotta have built something at this point. I was right? like Cram or Clay. Nah, no way. No. Luna definitely Hell builds no. everything for Clay and or they just pay for it to get done. Ain't no way. I think I would probably go with Slacked. I think he has a straight up house and That's a good choice. fully fully furnished. That's a good choice. Cram. Absolutely <laughs> not. Um Maybe I would have Oh, sorry. Man's got all the tools, bro. I would have said slasher because you can build robots. (laughs) I think, yeah. But then I saw not a desk. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's just funny when you see some of these pros like house or their apartment and the way they have it set up. It's like it's just hilarious to me. Priester Slasher had a picture of Thanos above his bed. It's like, (laughs) was that (laughs) what it was? Nothing was better than uh, coming to those Columbus apartments and then seeing what the other team had left or what mess they had left and having to clean up before my team got there. Those were fun times. Dude, my... Uh, well, I was, I was living on college campus during IW. My room was literally... It was disgusting, bro. I had a, a bed that was just sitting on the ground. I had an old, like... It was probably like a 25-year-old dresser. And I had a plastic table with my setup on it. You just don't give a shit. Like at all, bro. Like you literally just like when you're competing, like you just don't care. Like, yeah, I, that's why I don't can't really like judging anybody because I mean you're just using it for its function. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm going with Slacked, bro, because he's got a house. I respect <laughs> it. Yeah, good choice, good solid choice. Yeah. Do you guys right, remember uh, your first setups? Oh, you have another one? No, no, no. I was just gonna say thanks <laughs> for answering that because oh, no problem. I knew it was a little trolly. <laughs> It's all good. Thanks for coming around. Thanks for coming yeah. asking questions. No do, you problem. Guys, do you guys remember your first like big gaming setup? John Ben? Tra- like big big or like like the one that you were hyped about? Like your first one you were hyped. 
Hmm. That's when I first got my Busonic. I don't even know if you guys remember that. But I had a Magnavox, bro. <laughs> I think that was the MLG official monitor back in the day in like H3. I got my first Busonic. I was like, I'm hyped. It was like 5MS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, it'd be a complete trash monitor, but at the time, it was lit. Dude, Black Ops 1 we used to play on was the Asus or was it oh, Busonics? Black Ops 1, yeah. Yeah. Those are, the, dude, I had the, the blue dot from Moss. That shit was fire. <laughs> oh, it's like so we got Got another one in here. Bilko, what up? Bilko just got moved. Bilko, you there? Oh, okay. DJ Zay? All right, move in someone else. I'm moving DJ Zay. Here we go. Uh, Hey, guys. Hey. What's up? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Lovely. Uh, so my question is, do y'all believe in LA Thieves becoming a top three or top two team in the league? I had this argument a lot with my friends because I honestly believe in them. Slash is a top AR in the league. People keep on forgetting, like, even though Temp is known for being toxic sometimes, he still is a top player in the league. We all know about Kenny and TJ. When he's rolling, he's rolling. So <laughs> I, I, I drastically believe in the LADs becoming a top three or a top two team in the league. A lot yeah. of my friends call me crazy for that, but I really believe in it. And I have, I have um, Kenny as my MVP at the end of the season. So let me ask you this. Great. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, you brought up some good points. What is your friend's argument to them being not a top two, top <laughs> They're already team? at least top four. Yeah. So it's not, it's not much of a stretch. So they say that like with Temp's um, personality and slash that they're going to collide and that's going to mess up the team. They also say that, like, with slasher teams, normally they have to make a change in the team and then they become a top team. And then they also say they don't, they don't believe in TJ because of how many times in a season he will have ups and then he will have some drastic downs. In which, that is true. Everything what they said is true. But I still believe in, like, this season, like, they all want to play together. They got the team. They don't really have the team that they want since, like, it has been stated that they want the priest and not temp at first. But... Slasa has teamed with Temp before, so he understands what he's getting himself into with Temp. No, yeah. Also, I mean, I think a, uh, I think you're you're right. I think they are, they can easily be a top two, top three team. I mean, you got to practically <clears throat> think about like uh, the things that your friends are saying. So it's like what I would say to them is like, dude, the last two years COD has been five v five, crazy difference in COD. Last time it was four v four. A lot of these players were amazing. Uh, Temp's only gotten older and better. Uh, from what we just watched, TJ looks a lot better than he did last year. This game's also a lot more traditional than the last two games, which were all these players were better at. So, I mean, I think you just look at you explain those things to them for your argument. But I'll open it up to yeah. John and Ben. Um, uh, Dash or what you say? Donnie played with a slasher, and they got in the fights. And I'm friends with Don. He said, "I wish I knew better at the time. I should have just held those L's in those fights and just yeah. kept it pushing." Instead of fighting back, I mean, he's like, I was a kid. He was freshly 18. Now he's played with so many more people. Been in a lot of different arguments with different players. It's like, eh, this is not that bad. I'll take these. Like, it's not a, it's not necessarily a bad thing. He's grown up. I mean, he's <laughs> already top four. I, I don't understand how you how you put. I had them. The, I had them. I, I had them in top four. Like when I, yeah, I they was, are. Like I when I did them like my power rankings like before the team started. I had like. I had one Dallas, two Optic. No, I had, okay. I had Optic one. Then I had Thieves two. Then I had Dallas three. And then I had Phase four. Interchangeable. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think hey, that list that you just made is a little faded, but I'm honestly I'm a little biased with LA Thieves and Optic. I'm honestly say that. I love those teams. You have to put I Empire one, teams. bro. Like no, as, well, as, of as of now. Yeah. Empire yeah. phase one, two. Yeah. It's just it just giving that respect. Yeah. Three, four. I'd probably so put Optic a, three right it was now. It was a little biased. Yeah, it's fine. You're allowed to do that. They're biased against them, clearly saying like I see people saying that they're not top six. Like that's <laughs> just dumb. Like <laughs> that's just dumb. I think that last year had leaves a bad taste in people's mouths with these players. Yeah. But now we're back to four v four in a way different game. And it's not like and if anything, you should be looking at it differently, like because they had such a bad year last year. And even they're last not, year, they're they're not was gonna want. Around, they was run one round away still. Yeah, exactly. So, Listen, dude, you're fine. Your friends are, for them to say that that's not possible is delusional. It's absolutely possible. And, I mean, nobody knows. But, I mean, they have a really good shot at being a top two, top three team. I mean, think about what, you're, what like, for them to be top two, top three, what do they have to do? They just have to, they have to get top three of champs. Is that possible? Entirely possible. They look great. So we'll see, bro. Thank you. No problem, brother. Is he back, Ben? Yeah. Look, are you here? <laughs> I was Bill, you gotta unmute, if you got to unmute if you're here, brother. Hello? Yes, sir. Well, I'm so sorry. I'm on mobile, so it's kind of tough, you know? It's all, all good. good. You're here now. Yeah, so my question was, um, so which, which of like, the franchises do you think did the best job preparing not only for short-term, but long-term success. Um, and do you think it's worth it to plan that far in advance since the turnover rate for rosters is pretty high in esports? Yes. Uh, it Atlanta. depends. Go ahead. Yes. Oh, go ahead. Atlanta and Dallas have clearly approached that that way. I think as long as they keep the core of those teams together, like I don't see why those teams would ever change. Yep. Um, and it's definitely worth it. Like if you're, if you can invest in young players that you know are sure things and you, you create that, you know, San Antonio Spurs atmosphere where it's a family environment, they're buying into the marketing. They're buying into all the liberals you need out of him, you know, them. Um, now, in the case of those two brands, you know, they have either parent orgs or a licensed brand that they're using to leverage growth. But like you still need to create a new brand. You got to build a whole organ and having that success and winning um, to build from is super key. 100 percent. Everything you said, I, I 100% agree with. Um, I think that they've done the two best jobs at it. I think uh, some other teams that didn't get those super all stars, also like Ultra did a good job of them. They kept, they're the only team that kept the roster from year one to year two. And we're seeing them get better uh, from year one to year two. So uh, I think uh, those three teams did a really good job. And then the slow transition that, you know, Optic's been working on, you know, it's just Envoy, but... You know, they got Dashy back now, so, you know, obviously they're trying to get that next heir to the throne, and it's obviously looking like Envoy right now. So you're seeing teams do that right now, and also having sort of those legacy players that are still really good as, like, a, a guide and a mentor to them um, at their best, so. Yeah. And we should also shout out the Florida Mutineers for making two incredible pickups over the last two years between Neptune and uh, Big Wake. Well, yet to be known for Neptune, but yeah. True. Uh, from what I've seen from Neptune this season, I think we can. I feel pretty confident about putting them in that list. That's a. I mean, he hasn't done anything yet, so <laughs> but, but we'll see. The, 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 what, from what I've seen on the map, and from talking, 
other pro players in the scene, like they they see him making the right play on the map and him shooting back. And if that's the case, I just got to see him on a, I got to see him on landing. Oh, we just got to see him on a stage. Yeah. We got to see them on some sort of stage. He hasn't been, he hasn't done. Well, we can say the same thing about Big Wake. We haven't seen him play on. No, no, but, but he's been played, he's played in a lot of big matches. He hasn't played on the stage yet. Facts. But he's played in big matches. Nepsen and he's also he's also taken over in big matches. Like, not just, like, been there. Like, Big Wake is the best player in their team. And he is still really good at this game. Bro, we were in the... We were watching these matches, by the way. We didn't talk about him. And we were just screaming, Big Wake! Like, he's nasty at Call of Duty. That was an incredible pickup, bro. An incredible pickup. I mean, he was so good. Pros thought he was cheating. Like, like whether it was legit or not, it was still a discussion, you know? So, yeah, shout out to, to them, too. Good good point, Ben. Other than yeah. the Neptune one. Gotta, <laughs> gotta wait a little bit. I do think that, uh, I mean, he I'm will... In, baby. I mean, he's gonna be Rookie of the Year, most likely, right? Like, he's got a great shot. A great shot. He's, he's what are the other rookies? Him and Fire 40 and uh, Diamond Con. But, like, he's in the best position, like, set up for the most success. Like, he's got a great team around him, and he's got that, that it factor of, like, the movement and the shot and shit, so... I think uh, he's probably going to be rookie of the year this year, more more than likely. Yeah, I mean, there's only three of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think well, it'll be really tough been, uh, for the role that up yet. What'd you say? Oh yeah, yeah. some of them. We, have, we, we haven't had any roster changes yet. I mean, Big Wake didn't uh, get on a pro team until the middle of last year. So. He also didn't get rookie of the year. <laughs> fair enough. But they didn't win. <laughs> but uh, for that one, but yeah. But yeah, like, um, I mean, Fire Forty is just like. Their team is just such like a ragtag group of guys that it'll be tough for him and the role that he plays. He's like a flex. Um, so it'll be hard for him. And then for Diamond Con also, like is like sub players, they just look flashier, you know, like they're able to do more crazy shit. So I think he's set up in the best spot. Ben just lagged out. Yeah. Are you guys switched? No, it's, it, should be, it should be fixed now. There you go. We're gonna switch now. Woohoo, I'm binge ism. Never uh, ever. Uh, RIP <laughs> tabs to spend when I tab out of uh, calls. Just, well, thank you for the question, Doka. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Uh, any closing thoughts, boys? No, I think Gersh actually had a question. Bring him in. What's also, good, shout out Gersh for managing the Collins for today and then the last second graphic as well. Good shit, yeah, bro. Gersh is a beast. Gersh is a beast. <laughs> Just so, grinding, bro. Um, my question is actually specifically for Pac-Man. Uh, of course, you guys have expertise about the industry, so feel free to chime in. Um, now, Pac-Man, this isn't me like directly referencing Rise, of course. I don't know if you can speak on that, but you do have oh. the perspective of an org uh, not really in directly involved in COD right now. Um, so when you have a team like Wester out there who's proven to have success, I mean, of course, not winning the last two Challengers Cups, but being undisputed top of the elite right now, um, very handsome social media manager as well. What's the thought process? Don't gas yourself not... too much, brother. But go ahead. Hey, 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 we got a team over there. All right. <laughs> uh, but uh, what's the thought process on not, you know, just making that jump to pick him up for until like the end of the season before expansion or financially back them? Um, get that, get that ball. Talking about them getting sponsors? Wait, so you're, no, you're saying, no, no, no. He's saying like, so let's, so let's say X org is going to join the league. Why wouldn't you pick him up beforehand? Well, there's a lot. That's a lot of legal mumbo jumbo. First of all, in between there, and secondly, you would be an absolute idiotic manager to do that when there's going to be a bunch of pros that you might be able to fix and put into these teams that are going to make the team overall better. You have no idea what's going to happen in the off season. You should wait and see what you can do. Like the Rock have a completely different team. Yeah. 
So and you have no idea what you have a no idea contending what, team too. Yeah, like why would you ever make a decision like that before you know it's going to happen? You could. That's just that's just a horrible. You're pigeonholing yourself into a situation yeah. where it's like this could probably be done. Like, all right, so if you're entering the league, what's the worst case scenario? You get four solid pro players. Like, like who did the like like so for example. What do you, we think is like the worst team out of roster mania this year? Like Paris, and I'm I picking guess. I'm picking that team over Wester, right? So, um, I mean personally, I would. Um, yeah, no, I got you. So, like, why would you make that? That's like a last decision type deal. Like, why would you do that off the mm-hmm. rip initially before you you know see the market and see what you can make work? You know, you're you're putting yeah, a lot no, of investment into your future into a team that. You know, it's just like, it's just a question mark. Like, you don't, you haven't seen all of them play at a pro level. You don't know. And you could easily run into problems. So on a, like a pros and cons basis, like, it's just way too many cons. My only uh, way too many is technically with the current contract structure, you could take a one-year risk and then just dump your roster and not pick a option. Why would I ever want to enter into a league with a one, with a team where I had no confidence in? Going in, you like know why? I'm, I'm, I'm starting at you, I'm you, starting you at 13 place. No way, because you can always do that, Ben. There will always be a team in challengers that is the best team every year. There will always be the next up players. There will be another Wester. There will be another this. There will be another, you know what I mean. So if you can make something work, and, and this is like me saying when you're coming into the league, I just, I mean, maybe there's some people out there that think differently than me and John. But I mean, we've always been on this side. We've been getting asked these types of questions for a while. I just, mm-hmm. I don't think that it is a sound investment and I don't think we'll see an organization do it. Um, it's just Not too much building, answer. too much teaching, too many, like these guys haven't been pro. There's so much more that comes with being like a pro player than, than just like jumping on and frying. Like, dude, think about the process it took for TJ to learn that he has to do content has to be on time like there's just so much yeah. but so. what we could see Ant, is what toronto did last year uh, some version of that which is let's pick up the western guys yeah but let's also pick up a bunch of other pros and let's them figure out who the four starters i don't be. hate that i don't hate that at all you have options at that point you have options john shaking point. his head but that's what toronto did last year and look at how they ended up at the end of last year i don't hate like, it. it it clearly was not it clearly as weird of an idea it was to pick up 10 people, it ended up working out for them. Well, like three of them, three or four of them never even got given a chance. Let's, let's <laughs> go with, let's that's go how, with that's that. That's how it be. They're the, they're the eighth, ninth, and tenth man on the oh, roster. Like They weren't the eighth, ninth, and tenth man on the roster. Brack was picked up to be a starter and never even got a chance. So was Metals. I feel like he played with, he got a very minimal chance. I remember one day when I was coaching Optic LA, he dropped 50 on us, and the next day, he wasn't even playing. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't speak English well enough, or his communication was bad. <laughs> it's like, all right, cool. Whatever, it's not a bad plan if executed properly, though. Yeah, I, I, I guess. They, you also have to have a lot of people that are willing to take uh, minimum contracts in the league. So. Yeah, I'm not really sure what happened last year with some of the franchise orgs and how they approached challengers. Like, it was weird to me pick the 10 man roster, and then they never had an academy team that ever played challengers i think that maybe hamstrunged the chances of some of those players so i'm not sure mechanically like what happened there if there was some confusion but uh but i do think that that's a proven method if you want to say hey let's take a chance on these amateurs with chemistry but let's hedge and get some veterans on the team and if we're going through training camp or going through the beginning of the game and it's not working well we have an opportunity to shuffle things up 
and try and find who well, start the season. I mean, look I at, would say like New York and Gorillas does not mean it does not mean it's proven. By the way, I I don't believe that. Like, I mean, if Gorillas if Gorillas can do something like that this year, it'd be incredible. I mean, they have a they have a bigger roster. I believe New York like there uh, is just more opportunity. We'll see. And Toronto is one example, um, and there are also some caveats there, but. You know. So, let me say one more thing. This guy uh, Coleman in the chat says, "If I'm getting paid to sit on the bench, I'm jumping at that opportunity 100 percent or whatever." Uh, let's take someone like Mayhem. Mayhem was a part of that Toronto Ultra experiment or whatever you want to do. The year before that, he had his best year ever. He's been playing for a while, yeah. but the year before that, he had his best year ever. That year on that team killed any chance of him becoming a pro in the near future completely absolutely murdered and, that sucks and, he too. <laughs> and he got paid last year right but he had zero chance zero chance to ever become a pro like he it put him so far back he was never in any officials he was not in anything like he's just a b-team scrimming like that's not yeah. that's not where i'd want to be like i, I guess well, but i guess depends on where you, they, depends on where you are in your career but that's, that's why not they changed the rules for challenger eligibility this year to prevent that type of situation happening so let's say you are riding the bench for you can still play challengers and make a lot of money in elite and showcase yourself on stream and visible to other teams make yourself available for a trade or maybe you play well that the current team you're on rotates and you get a shot like i just think that was sort of a weird situation and they've now changed the rules to try and hopefully prevent that from happening again well thank you for the question gersh uh good Wait, luck i got, to a, you I got a quick follow-up if you don't mind it's, okay, cool. it's just to clarify um I, I, I kind of get what you guys are saying, but just to clarify again, are you saying that um, if, if an org is out there, right, no COD team to work with, do you think it's a better risk for them to pick up um, a few veterans that are all like, that have been, uh, lo- that have lost their teams from the previous season, my bad, than uh, picking up Wester, like who already has that proven chemistry? Wait, so are you, you saying mean org? Are you saying like an expansion franchise team? Yeah, yeah. So, like, it's a bit more complicated than that. Because, yeah, like, you have to think about saying. how the org spins up, right? So, like, mm-hmm. starting at the executive front office, like, like coach level, like, who are they bringing in, right? Um, that's going to mm-hmm. determine a lot of your initial decision making. Um, and we've seen that to some levels of success. Obviously, like, more of the legacy franchises either had coaching staff they just carried over from the other team, or they brought someone on to their previous experience with, and it was easy for them to get adapted. We saw with some of the newer teams that they really struggled last year um, with the decision-making that they made to build a roster, yeah. and then they had to rotate it out. So uh, it's kind of tough to answer, um, but I think the approach is somewhere in the middle of what you're, what you're asking here. Perfect. Got you. Appreciate that. All right, guys. No it sounds you, like... Uh, okay, go ahead. Um, you go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like you're thinking like, was it, will an organization come in and acquire Wester and their staff and because they have done such a good job? And I can tell you that probably will not happen um, simply because like that is like you're putting so much trust into a team that's simply on just winning challengers matches. Like, I don't yeah. I don't see that happen. unless the, it's like year over year. Wester proves to be the, you know, most dominant challengers team from this year, next year, next year. Then maybe I see something like that happening. But like. After just one sample size of one year of success, I, don't, I, I would not see that happening because you don't know the things that attributed to that success. Was it just the players were just dominant or was it the entire organization and team? And I believe that's yeah. what you were asking, right? Uh, yeah, I think more of it was just the risk reward kind of what yeah. uh, so, I explained. But so that, 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 that's a long shot. And I don't see that that happening or being like super beneficial to some of these orgs. But hey, man, we never know, Gersh. 
Much love, brother. Right, for sure. Appreciate you guys. Alright, well, we just eclipsed the two-hour mark, so I think it's a good time to conclude. Um, once again, are there any final uh, things you guys wanted to discuss? Or we... No, I'm just glad to be back. It's a little bit of break, both busy. Came back with Thanks a banger, ben though. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Ben, for coming on today. No problem. And, uh, appreciate you guys inviting me on. Happy to join future episodes. If not, I'll stick to making sure that people don't ask trolley questions in the Collins. <laughs> I think if we don't have a guest, I think if we don't have a guest, we just we should bring Ben on. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how that. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Who knows? But uh, Who knows? Much love, guys. Uh, appreciate everybody tuned in. If you're listening on audio, much love to you guys as well. Make sure you guys go leave a review. Check out XP Sports. We are fueled by them. Great company. Makes energy supplements. Give you clean energy and supports eye health. XPSports.com. But uh, as always, guys, social links will be in the description below. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace, guys. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today mypatriotsupply.com